When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dan. This season, after every single game on Mondays, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, and I recorded a short eight-minute podcast about what happened on Sunday and where the Browns were going. The question basically was, after every game, how are the Browns doing? We spent eight minutes answering that question, going back and forth. And what you're about to hear is the collection week to week of every single one of those pods. It's like 16 little time capsules of the Browns and their journey from week one against Baltimore all the way to clinching in week 17 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you won't hold some of those uh, old takes exposed moments against us as you listen, because this is kind of a fun looking back in the moment experience about what turned out to be a pretty historic regular season for the Cleveland Browns. It is September 15th. The Browns just lost to the Ravens 38-6. They are 0-1. Today is September 21st. The Browns just beat the Cincinnati Bengals. It is September 20th. Today is October 5th. It is October 12th. The Browns have just beat Today the is October 9th. It is Monday, November 2nd. The Browns it is just Monday, lost. October It is November 9th. It is November 16th. The Browns just beat the Houston Texans. Today is November 23rd. The Browns just beat the Eagles. It is November 30th. It is December. December 7th. It is December 5th. It is December 21st. The Browns just It is December 28th. Today is January 4th. The Cleveland Browns are not cleaning out their lockers. They're not holding a postseason press conference. No, they just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-22. It is September 15th. The Browns just lost to the Ravens 38-6. They are 0-1. They are about to play the Bengals. So how are we doing? Well, that is a great question, Dan. You know, I left that game. The thing that stood out to me the most about that 38-6 loss to the Ravens uh, was the disconnect between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. It was still there. I felt like I was watching them from last season where we kept hearing it was going to come, it was going to come, and it never really did. So I left that game being very concerned uh, that the franchise quarterback of this football team and the star receiver of this football team are going to continue to struggle. My conclusion was, and now I'm thinking maybe I have jumped the gun on this a little bit, uh, but my conclusion from that was, you know, maybe it's time to just let Odell Beckham Jr. explore a trade. Maybe Baker Mayfield would be better off without him, so he's not forcing the ball. Uh, Maybe Odell Beckham would be better somewhere else if they can unload that big old contract. Uh, So I, you know, I wrote a column saying that, that they should let him explore a trade. As I started digging through more numbers in the, in the hours and whatever, after that, uh, I, I came to see that Uh, They just didn't use enough play action in that first game at all. That's all we heard about off season, all off season, play action, play action. 
So now I'm starting to think that going forward, if Baker Mayfield is in more play action, he will have more success with Odell and others. I'm a little worried. I think that could be a bit much. It's only game 17. They're coming off a pandemic and they had a weird offseason. They didn't have any preseason games. They have a new Kevin Stefanski offense, but it did feel very familiar. And you can see things like DeAndre Hopkins in his first game with the Arizona Cardinals as a veteran receiver brought in to help a young quarterback. He has 14 catches and the Cardinals win their opener. That is the kind of thing that I think we've been waiting for Odell Beckham to do with Baker Mayfield for 17 games. So I don't want to give up on it. I want to believe that this still will work itself out. But I was concerned by Odell's big drop on third and two. It wouldn't have made the Browns win. But there just were enough things that were familiar from last year that I'm more worried about it than I ever have been so far. The focus is on Odell, right? Everybody's talking about Odell. Is he happy? Does he want traded? This and that. I'm telling you, I watched that first game. I'm worried about the quarterback. I, I, now, look, the drop, Doug, you mentioned the drop. That's a problem. Odell Beckham cannot drop that football. I rewatched some of those throws. The ball to Marcus Peters, or to, that Marcus Peters broke up, that was a bad throw. And, and I'm just worried about the quarterback. I don't know if this is on Odell as much as it is on Baker. He's got to get back to being that Baker that can place the football where his receiver can get it. Now, Odell's a great receiver. He's got to make those plays, I guess, but I don't know. I think it's too easy to just kind of put this on Odell. You know what I think right now is that I think Odell thinks it's Baker, and I think Baker <laughs> thinks it's Odell. And I think that's another problem. I think the disconnect uh, is, is that deep that I, I think Odell, just based on some of the things that, that he has said, I think he's trying to say, Look, you know what? I, the guy's got a lot on his plate. He's talking about Baker. He's got a lot on his plate. He's, you know, he's got this. He's got that. And then you've got Baker saying, "Hey, I've got uh, a one-on-one -on -one matchup with Odell Beckham Jr. I expect him to win that matchup. So I'm going to go to him with the ball in that situation. Uh, so I think he's saying, you know, win your matchups, Odell, and we won't be having a problem. Odell's saying, put the ball in the right place, Baker, and we're going to be fine. Uh, once well, again. I, I think if you do a lot more play action, uh, I think they might fare better together. Okay, well, that's not great, though, either. If you've got one guy thinking it's the other guy's fault and the other guy thinks it's the other guy's fault, that's not a great situation either. I mean, that's the kind of thing that that doesn't make me feel like this disconnect is going to get any better. I do feel like we may be making too much of this one game in. They, he, they had 10 targets for Odell. Only five of them were catchable. So Baker did miss him several times, especially later in the game. And I can understand the frustration with that. But it, it, it really is so early. And Baker, the, Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt adjusted how he drops back. They adjusted some of his mechanics that he's not used to. He's still getting accustomed to this offense. And the, the issue, Dan, I think you're right. Baker was off target. He was so accurate in college. That was like his number one trait. And he was accurate, more accurate than this as a rookie. I still wonder sometimes, is there something in the routes? Is there something in the anticipation that is Baker just missing his spot? Or are he and the receiver disconnected on what the spot should be? Was the route a little bit off? And so Baker threw it and it looked off target, but maybe it wasn't. So I'm really curious to see where Baker Mayfield's accuracy progresses or doesn't progress this season. But yeah, Dan, I, I think you are right. There are moments in that game 
where you think, man, if Baker is just puts that more on target, it changes how everybody feels about Odell and the rest of this offense. You know, I, I do think you make some good points, Dan, in that uh, there are some concerning numbers about Baker right now as we head into this next game. Now, I think it's going to be a lot easier for Baker to look good against a team that is not the Baltimore Ravens. I'm kidding around thinking Baker that Odell is going to go out in this game because I said <laughs> that he should explore a trade. He's going to go out in this next game. He's going to catch eight passes for 120 yards and two touchdowns, and I'm going to look like an idiot. But I'll take it. Uh, you know, I wrote what I wrote in the moment, and, and that's how I felt. But uh, I, I do think that if you start to look at some of Baker's numbers over the last, uh, you know, four or five games, he's not beating the AFC North. He's throwing too many interceptions. Uh, he's not right. Now, I know it's very new right now for him. Everything is, is very new. We expect him to get a lot better. But I think it bears watching how this quarterback is playing. Does it change? Has anyone changed their idea about what Baker can be? Because that's what I think is hard for all of us is what is a blip and what is a trend? And now we're in year three and it's, it's certainly starting to feel more like a trend, but yet also he's had so many head coaches and so many play callers and we're coming off a pandemic off season. I, I still think it's very possible. It's a blip. Do either of you believe that, he will never get back to being as accurate as he was coming out of Oklahoma. And is he, do, does he have issues that just are not going to rectify themselves? I'm, I'm not going to write off either player. I'm not going to write off Odell or Baker. I, I need to see it. But the, the concern is, you know, last year we kept saying, well, you know, Baker will get back to that guy that we saw over those last eight games of 2018. But then we had 16 games where, Frankly, he just didn't live up to it. So now that that sample size of struggling Baker Mayfield, who turns the ball over a lot, is getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. I still think he can settle into this system. I still think he can be successful. I don't know if the ceiling is necessarily as high as maybe it felt like it was at the end of 2018, but I still think this is a guy that can be a good quarterback. I, I just don't know how long it's going to take, and I don't know what the patience level is going to be if he doesn't start to show those signs here, you know, over the next couple months. You know, I, I agree with you. I do think that Baker has the potential to be a really good serviceable quarterback in this offense, in this play action based scheme. Uh, I think they had to figure out who he was, what they had. They will, I believe, start to get it together. It will, will evolve. And I think he will improve significantly. I don't want to jump the gun on this, but I am fascinated to see how one day we will look back on this era of Baker Mayfield's career. Today is September 21st. The Browns just beat the Cincinnati Bengals 35-30 to last Thursday night. They have a game against the Washington football team on Sunday. How are the Browns doing? Better? Maybe? <laughs> they beat? The worst team in the league last year with the rookie quarterback at home by five, but they also looked like what we think they're going to look like offensively. So I think it's, it's a tough balance right now of that look like Baker Mayfield being more comfortable. That looked like the offense that Kevin Stefanski wants to call that looks as good of a, as a, a one, two running back punch with Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt, as you'll find in the NFL, but also it's the Bengals. So I think it's great for Browns fans to take a lot of enthusiasm out of that game. 
But just like I think a lot of people may have overreacted in week one to the Ravens loss, I think it's possible we might be overreacting to a win over the Bengals in week two, which makes me very curious to get to another game where you're maybe playing a team somewhere in between the Ravens and the Bengals. Yeah, you know what? I I really tend to agree with you there, Doug. I walk out of that game thinking, you know what? The Browns really needed this. Their fans really needed this. Baker needed to feel good about himself. Odell, who we talked about after week one, you know, like we said, I wrote a column saying maybe they should explore letting him seek a trade. You know, he walked out of there catching a 43-yard touchdown pass, feeling good about himself. Miles Garrett felt good about himself. Of course, the running backs, my goodness, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combining for 215 yards. So it was a feel-good game for everybody involved in the Browns. But you have to temper the enthusiasm just a little bit. It was the Cincinnati Bengals. They could have pulled that game out, actually, like you said. Uh, They only lost by five points. I wrote after the game that the Browns imposed their will offensively on the Bengals, which I think they did. And then I got a reply on Twitter, relax, it's the Bengals. And I think that sort of sums up this game and what we're getting to. But what I do feel really good about is the Browns are going to be able to run the football on anybody. This isn't a Cincinnati Bengals thing. This is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are two of the best running backs in football. This might be the best running back tandem in football. And if nothing else, those two guys are going to be able to run the football against almost any defense in the league. And if that's your starting point, and if you can go into some fourth quarters where you have a little bit of a lead and Kareem Hunt comes in fresh and can just run out the clock or or do whatever you want to do in the fourth quarter, that's a pretty strong starting point to have for this offense. I do think it felt repeatable. No matter how bad the other defense might be, there was nothing. I mean, the pass, the deep pass to Odell for the touchdown was really nice, right? They had some nice plays. But it wasn't miraculous. As it, was, it wasn't big booms. It was more like, this is what this is going to be. And they still haven't even gotten the tight ends all that involved in this offense yet, which I think we're going to see. So that was the part. It's like, yes, we all know that was the Bengals. But it, it felt like I do think that should translate against better defenses. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about after week one was they really didn't focus on the the bootlegs, the rollouts, and the things that help Baker Mayfield look good, get out in space, not be getting balls batted down because he's, you know, behind the the line and, and all caught up in traffic. And we know how good he is when he gets out there and he can find a lane and, and you know, stick his foot in the ground and throw that ball and feel super confident. And I think they started out that way in this game. They let him get confident and feel comfortable with himself. And that's so vitally important for him. And the difference is marked in his performance when he's operating out of that kind of a system. And they did it. Kevin called that for him and he looked good in it. He needed to get that kind of confidence. And I I just think going forward, the more they're able to do that, the more you get Nick involved, the more you get Kareem involved, the more you open up things for Odell, Jarvis, and Austin. Having said that, uh, you know, there are some guys that still just aren't, like you mentioned, getting involved yet. The tight ends. I mean, Austin Hooper, only one time last year did he only have two receptions for the Falcons. And now he's got two games here where he's only got two catches. So it's a work in progress. It's going to take a little while, but this was the start of how it's supposed to look. 
a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13, a lot of 23. They, they went all across the board in their personnel. This was Kevin Stefanski's offense the way it was supposed to look. Guys, I'm worried about the defense. I'm sorry, I got to bring this down. I'm worried about the defense. And I know this week they're likely getting Mac Wilson back. They're probably getting Greedy Williams back. They're probably getting Kevin Johnson back. And I think that's great. I'm happy to see how those guys fit in this defense. I'm I'm a little worried though if rescuing this defense is reliant on the return of Mac Wilson, Greedy Williams, and Kevin Johnson. I'm I'm nervous. They gave up 30 points to the Bengals. That's three starters. They have guys on the three field. three iffy starters though. We, Better at than least the two of those three. Maybe. Better than the backups. Tabby Thomas should not be on an NFL football field as a defender. Well, maybe Terrence Mitchell should be starting over Greedy. I don't know. That's that's a different discussion. We'll get into that. But I, I'm still worried about this defense, healthy or not. I mean, I think it's I think it's reasonable. They're going to have to outscore some people. I mean, there, there's a great discussion about oh, you know, the issues at linebacker and potential issues at safety. The way they're going to solve them is by scoring more points than what those iffy linebackers and safeties give up. They also need plays like like Miles Garrett made against Joe Burrow, where he forced a fumble in a really important spot. So. I think that, you know, they're going to have to lean on the pass rush, but you know, the Grant Delpit injury, we know that was a devastating injury for this defense, but I do feel like, yes, they're not getting all pros back, but I think they have some guys on the field that are not, that were on the field the first two weeks that are not going to be getting very many snaps when we get to the middle of the year. And that's when I'll have a better feel. I feel like of how much of a, of an issue this defense really has. It's not going to be great, but can it be okay? You know, I really think that the injuries put a tremendous, tremendous strain on this defense in the first two weeks. My goodness. I mean, we haven't even really addressed the fact that in this game, they were, were without Olivier Vernon, his replacement, who got off to a great <laughs> start in this game, Adrian Claiborne, then left the game after he looked like he was shot out of a cannon in the first quarter with a tackle for a loss and a sack. He leaves the game. So the depth has really been tested. Now, I was out at practice today. I saw Olivier Vernon and Adrian Claiborne still on the sidelines. That's a little bit of a, a frightening thought because Miles fares better when he's got somebody over on the other side uh, that's taking a little pressure, a little heat off of him. But I do think that the, this football team getting some of their starters back, even though they're not all pros and they do need to step up their game, I think it's going to help. You know, they've given up a lot of points. That's that's very concerning. And Doug, you're right. I mean, Tavier Thomas is obviously a guy. I mean, even Joe Burrow knew, hey, let's pick on this guy. So so certainly, yes, Kevin Johnson is an upgrade. And, and you would think Mac Wilson is, is going to be an upgrade at linebacker. But I don't see a savior for this defense. This is kind of the group they're going to have. And Joe Woods is going to have to figure this thing out. The savior for this defense is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's the savior, for real. I mean, we can't pretend that they're going to slow people down but they're going to face, I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be really good. He is a rookie. He made some rookie mistakes in that game. You can tell he's going to be really good. And I think he even did some things against this Browns defense that not every quarterback will do, but if they're going to beat good teams, they're going to beat them by outscoring them. And so I think a big answer to the questions on the defense is that Kevin Stefanski offense looking like an offense that can put up 30, maybe not every week, but multiple weeks. Yeah. And you hit on it here, Doug, big takeaway from this game. Watch out for Joe Burrow, not obviously just for this season, but for the next decade or so. So lots of intrigue coming out of this game. It is September 28th. The Browns are coming off a 34-20 win over the Washington football team. They travel to Dallas next. So how are the Browns doing? 
Well, I have to say they're doing pretty well considering that they have their first winning record since 2014. I think they went 90 weeks, I believe it was, uh, the longest streak in the NFL uh, since they hadn't had a winning record. So that's good for them. And then the other little milestone is uh, that they are two and one for the first time since 2011. I mean, dating all the way back uh, to 2011, it's just absolutely amazing. I almost felt like there should have been like a two and one parade <laughs> today or something like that. Everybody was just so excited about this. And they're doing things that normal winning teams do, right? They are winning the turnover battle. They're converting in the red zone. They're not perfect. They're not necessarily super explosive, but they're putting games away. They're letting the other team make mistakes. And I think it's a reminder of this is how teams in this league just kind of win average games all the time. It's just we don't know what that looks like in Cleveland because this is not what they have been doing. So it wasn't spectacular, but it was just like normal. And it was like you felt that wave of normal, just a regular old win sort of wash over you because regular old wins have been hard to come by in Cleveland for the last 20 years. Yeah, the NFL is such a league of mediocrity, right? You, you have your teams at the very top, and then you get your teams at the very bottom, and then most of the teams kind of live in the middle. And the Browns have never even been able to get into that middle. And it just feels like coming off of this game, you know, Doug, you hit on it. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. But in the fourth quarter, the Browns got the lead. They ran the ball. They won the game. I mean, we've seen plenty of teams come to Cleveland who were clearly better than them. And frankly, struggled to beat them at times, maybe not take them seriously. The Browns kind of just won a game they were supposed to win, and there's certainly some flaws. There's some things I'm worried about as we move into the, this Dallas game. I don't feel super comfortable going into this game that the Browns are going to win and, and get to 3-1, and one, but at the very least, they beat Cincinnati, who is a team you should beat. You know, Philadelphia didn't do that this week, uh, and then they beat Washington. You know, Philadelphia didn't do that back in week one. Those are two wins. They count at the end of the year. You count up the wins. That's what you do. And the Browns beat two teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah, you know what? I, I think the other thing, uh, the sort of feel-good thing about this game for fans would have to be the fact that they watched this defense take the ball away five times. And you're seeing a new and different Miles Garrett. Things, you know, things have just gotten so much better with Miles Garrett in terms of how they're using him. I mean, they're moving him around, they're lining him up over the guard at times. And so they're springing him on the opposition from different vantage points. And I think that has been a huge help because, you know, Miles promised that he was going to take over games and he was going to be a major reason why they're winning games. And each of the last two games, he's made a strip sack that was huge. Uh, this game really wasn't over yet. I mean, they were up 31-20 when he got the strip sack. Uh, but these are the kinds of things that you expect your really good players to do. Miles did do that. Miles took the ball away. Some of the other turnovers, Washington gave the ball to the Browns. And Dwayne Haskins was hitting Browns defenders between the numbers with some of his passes. I'm still very curious to see. You know, Denzel Ward played in this game, but he did come out at some point. Greedy Williams didn't play. Olivier Vernon didn't play. Adrian Claiborne didn't play all that many snaps. I still feel like we haven't seen this Browns defense at full strength yet. And I think at some point, if they're going to be a good team, we need to see that at full strength. 
But you know what? If B.J. Goodson gets hit in the numbers with the, with the pass, he caught it. You know, Dwayne Haskins sails a pass. Carl Joseph capitalizes on it. And, and how many times in the past have we seen Browns defenders drop chances at turnovers? So I'm not taking away from that, but I just feel like there's still Mary Kay Dan. There's still more out there for this defense still. And I'm just so curious of what it's going to look like on their path to trying to get there. I, I do love the idea, though, that your stars were stars in this game, and, and that's kind of why you won. Now, that's not to say B.J. Goodson is a star, but, you know, Miles Garrett, he's one of your stars. He made a big play. You won the game. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they carried that game home in the fourth quarter. You leaned on them. They made big plays. They won the game. Odell Beckham makes a huge catch for you. Uh, you know, didn't put up huge numbers, but he makes a big catch late in the third quarter when everything's going bad for your offense. Uh, for the most part, your offensive line, right? There's guys on there that maybe star is not the right word, but there's a lot of money on that offensive line. And for the most part, they did okay against Washington with a little help from injury, but Washington still had some pretty good pass rushers out there nonetheless. So I, I think the players that you look at as good players, the players that you look at as star players, they made plays for you. And, and that's what you need to win an ugly game sometimes is sometimes you just have to be the more talented team. and as strange as it is, as it is to say about the Browns, they were the more talented team and there are going to be a lot of weeks where they are the more talented team. And you know what? I I agree with you on all of that, Dan, you know, you saw guys step up that you really needed to step up. The one thing, uh, another takeaway that I have coming out of this game is right now, Baker Mayfield needs those guys to do that because I think he's still coming up to speed. I think he's still feeling his way in this new offense. So he needs, the defense to go out and get some takeaways and give him a short field. He needs Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to run like crazy and plow over defenders and drag guys into the end zone. He needs Odell Beckham Jr. to, you know, make that third down catch and knock a ball down. He's still not someone that they are putting the ball in his hands and expecting him to go out there and win the football game for him. I think he's going to get to that point. I think he needs to, to step it up, and I, I think he will as time goes on. But right now, I think there are a lot of things around him that he needs to go well, and, and that's happening. And the other thing that I think you have to remember here is they blew this game. They played a terrible third quarter and let Washington take the lead, and they didn't roll over. They didn't turtle up. They actually put together – the drive to retake the lead wasn't based off a turnover. They marched down the field and they did something there and they made some important third down conversions. And then once they got it back, then they put it away on the ground with that run game. So you see a formula for this offense, how it can work, but there was a moment there where it felt like, here we go again. This is a team they should beat. And are they going to give this game away? And Washington's not great, but they didn't give it away. And for the Browns, that is progress. And I, I love that they can finish games. I love the ability to finish a football game. I don't know what happens when this football team falls behind by two scores and has to come back and win, but I love the fact that two weeks in a row in the fourth quarter they've had a lead and they've been able to finish, and they finished on defense too. Learning how to win is really important in this league. Yeah, those closers. I mean, to be able to have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt not tired in the fourth quarter uh, when your defense is, is probably starting to get a little tired, a little gassed, especially in the case of the uh, defensive line uh, of Washington when they lost Chase Young 
and they lost Matt Ioannidis, they had their guys out there on the field a lot longer than they wanted to. They didn't have their rotation, their normal rotation, to be able to just hammer away and, and drive it home with Nick and Kareem, there's a lot of defenses that are, that are going to struggle against that in the fourth quarter of games. On to Dallas. Today is October 5th. The Browns just beat the Dallas Cowboys 49-38. to They host the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. So how are the Browns doing? I'll tell you. They are a very well-coached football team, or at least very early in the season appear to be very well-coached. When you watch them play, especially in this game against Dallas, but even going back, you see a team with an identity, a team that knows what they want to do, a coach that has things under control, that has the operation working the way it's supposed to work. This team is getting coached very well, not just by Kevin Stefanski, but it certainly starts with Kevin Stefanski and and goes from there. I agree with you 100% on that. And I think the thing when I look at this football team, I don't see the fact just that they're getting coached well on the X's and O's and the play calling and things like that, because I think that has been excellent. It's been a work in progress, but I also think that, you know, just the intangible part of the coaching, I think has been really good. For instance, Odell Beckham Jr. He has been trying to say for the first three weeks, please give me something to do. I want to do more than block. I would like to do more than knock down an interception. I want to be the star that I am. I can't help it. I am the LeBron of this football team and I want the ball in my hands. And Kevin Stefanski, who has dealt with players like this before, kind of knows how to deal with an Odell Beckham Jr. He took him under his wing a little bit. They've gotten very close. They text back and forth. And he has managed that situation very, very well. It's not an easy one. He's done a tremendous job with it. And in this past game, he gave Jarvis and Odell enough to do, especially Odell, uh, that it's keeping him enthused and excited. And that's what they need from him. I thought it was a great psychological move to have Odell Beckham catch a touchdown pass from his best friend in Dallas. That's a big game. It it was a smart X and O's move because it got him a touchdown to start the game. But that was, that was also something more, right? That, you know, let's just dial up a little trick play. What's the trick play? Those two guys connecting when maybe they both feel like, hey, why haven't we been used a little bit more? I thought that said a lot about Kevin Stefanski. And I think all the things we are saying and praising him certainly do apply to the offensive side of the ball. I'm a little worried about the defense and I think that that's okay. And, and listen, you know, some of the stuff on defense is still, we get it. The back seven is not super talented and super high paid. You know, they're blowing some coverages They're They Dallas almost got back in that game yesterday. And for all these excited Browns fans right now who are justifiably enthused about being three and one with five minutes left in that game against Dallas, every one of those Browns fans was thinking, oh, my God, it's the same old Browns. They're going to blow a 20 something point lead in Dallas. So there's a lot to feel good about right now. But they do have some things defensively where they're not quite as connected defensively as they are on offense. Yeah, what are we talking about today if Odell Beckham gets tackled in the backfield on on that little uh, end around that he ran uh, that ended up turning into a 50-yard touchdown against the Cowboys? But I want to go back to something you said, Mary Kay, about Odell Beckham and the football. And this is something I know I've been harping on. I'm not the only one, but there's nothing wrong with burning a couple plays. And sometimes burning one of those plays means a touchdown from, you know, between two best friends. 
with burning a couple plays just to get the football in, in a guy's hands, just to let him touch the football, get engaged in the game and see what can happen. And if it's a big play like that, it really gets that guy engaged. And that's just smart football from Kevin Stefanski, understanding these are my stars. I need them. If we're going to go anywhere this season, I need these guys to be all in, having fun, leading the way. That, again, just goes back to really smart coaching on his part. Yeah, and I think he learned something from coaching guys like this in Minnesota, learned from maybe work, working with Stefan Diggs and, you know, wanting that situation with Odell to end up better and not having him get to the point where he's saying, hey, let me out of here. Let me go somewhere where I can be a star. I think he knows what he needs to do. And you're right. Getting that ball in his hands early. I mean, it changes his whole demeanor. Look at him in Baltimore. Uh, you know, he just went downhill. Uh, it, it, you know, if he starts off bad, it just snowballs and vice versa. So Kevin is doing a masterful job of that. And unfortunately, one of the things that really backed up Kevin Stefanski as an X and O's guy on Sunday was the fact that they lost Nick Chubb and they could still run the ball. And so here we are. Nick Chubb has been placed on IR. He's going to miss at least three weeks. And Mary Kay, you have reporting on that. But the idea that Nick, we all know how good Nick Chubb is and how important he is. And Kareem Hunt was hobbled too. And they go to Ernest Johnson and he does kind of the same thing. And that's like another, it's not the way you want it but they lost their best running back and the other guy wasn't quite himself and they still could do what they want to do. That points you back to coaching, which is a hard way to learn that lesson, but I think we learned it. And looking forward, I'm excited for this week against Indianapolis. This is one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL. I don't know if it's because of who they've played or because they're legitimately that good. It's probably a mix like most things in the NFL, but I'm excited to see how Kevin Stefanski in this offense attack this Indianapolis team because you go to Dallas, you knew you could do whatever you wanted against them. And guess what? They did whatever they wanted to against them. That's what good teams do. And I think we could start talking about the Browns as a good team, at least at this point. And now I want to see what they can do against Indianapolis, a team that probably has the inside track to win their division. I know they're fighting with Tennessee a little bit, but that defense uh, has been a pain for a lot of football teams. Can the Browns expose them a little bit? Can the Browns figure out how to get after that defense Every week in the NFL is a new test and, and, you know, everybody's feeling good right now. And I'm excited to see what this team can do against Indy. Yeah. You know what? Same. I really want to see what they can do against some two defenses back to back that are pretty darn good, Mm -hmm. including the Colts, which is ranked very highly right now, maybe even, even number one in the NFL, but you, you bring up a good point, Doug, that they are without their inspirational leader. The, the guy who was the face of the football team basically last year in Nick Chubb. They are with him, without him for three, four, five, maybe up to six weeks. Uh, so a very good chunk of the season they have to do without him. But I don't think, I don't sense any wind out of the sails from anybody. And that's in part, like you said, Doug, because there's coaching, because they can plug this guy in and that guy in. But also, I think, uh, because they have such a good offensive line, they've got a great offensive line coach, and you have Kareem Hunt. So if you have to do without the guy who narrowly missed the rushing title last season for up to six weeks, why not replace him with the guy who won the rushing title in 2017? So, you know, if they had to lose a star player for a period of time, uh, this is one that they can absorb. 
I do think I wouldn't be surprised though if in the coming weeks there's a game, maybe they lose a game or something goes wrong and you you really feel the loss of Nick Chubb, right? That again, we can't pretend that Nick Chubb, that Darius Johnson is as good as Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. But I think the thing we have to remember in all of this is the Browns are now in this mix of teams that are good at some things and not so good at some things. And so Dallas had defensive problems. Indianapolis coming this week is the best defense in the league. But I'll tell you what, Phillip Rivers, he's a veteran quarterback. He's not Dak Prescott. Jonathan Taylor's a good rookie running back. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. Whoever the, the the Colts put out there at receiver, they aren't like the Dallas receivers. So what Dallas's offense was going to do to you, I don't think Indianapolis is going to do this. Indianapolis's defense is going to be much tougher than Dallas's defense was, but there still is a way for the Browns to win this game. And this is all fans have ever wanted. They are in this mix with all these pretty good teams, and it means they had a shot last weekend, and they have a shot again this weekend against a really quite good Indianapolis team. Four games in, we're not talking draft. We're not talking anything except football right now. That's good news for Browns fans. It is October 12th. The Browns have just beat the Colts 32-23. They play Pittsburgh on Sunday. So how are the Browns doing? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Dan. The Browns are doing really, really well. They've just won their fourth straight game. They are now 4-1 and one for the first time since 1994. The last guy that was 4-1 and one in 1994 was none other than Bill Belichick. Way back then, I had no children. Now they're, <laughs> 20, <laughs> they're 24, 22, and 20. I had no kids back then. I was covering the team. I was covering Bill Belichick. And they went 11-5 that season. They won a playoff game. Uh, and then they lost to Pittsburgh. So the Browns are doing great. I think they're on track to make the playoffs. ESPN's football power index gives them about a 76% chance right now of making the playoffs. So I really think it's time for Browns fans to get excited and not worry that the other shoe is going to drop. They're a balanced team. And as, and as many holes as their defense does have, I think we saw the last two weeks, you know, Dallas had a good offense and a terrible defense. The Colts this week had a really good defense, but an offense that couldn't get much going. And so the Browns, there are six teams in the AFC that either have no losses or one loss. The Browns are like just in the mix as a good team. You know, like they're not the chiefs, right? They don't, no one thinks they're the chiefs, but like in that, mix below that they're kind of right there with anybody else and i think that's i think you made a great point mary Kay. that no one should be looking over their shoulder right they have a really interesting tough game ahead with pittsburgh but you know it's going to be fun it's not the be all end all that they are they have now in dallas and indianapolis they've beaten two really interesting teams the last couple weeks and it's not spectacular. It's not luck. It's just, you know, there's some iffy moments in these last couple of games, but it's just generally pretty good, solid football. Cause I think there's no think they're just a good, they're a pretty good football team. Doug, I think you nailed it. There's no luck that this all seems very solid right now. You know, they lost to Baltimore in week one and everybody kind of expected them to lose that game for a lot of different reasons. There's, there's you know, I know they're not going to make excuses, but there's plenty of valid excuses to have lost that game. Then they turn around, they beat a Cincinnati team you're supposed to beat. They beat a Washington team you're supposed to beat. They go to Dallas, and they know that Dallas has a terrible defense. So they go out there, and they exploit it, and they put 49 points on the board. And then they play a really good Colts team. And again, the efficient offense continues. 
They just do what they're really good at. They find a way to attack a Colts team that was dead set on not letting them run the football in that first half on Sunday. So they found a different way to attack them. This is a pretty rock solid four and one. It's really hard, I think, to poke holes in these first five games and where this team stands. Now, to set this up a little bit, heading into Pittsburgh, the Steelers are 4-0 right now. They've played one fewer game because of COVID right now. Uh, So they're 4-0. They're in first place. The Baltimore Ravens and the Browns are both at 4-1 right now. So it's kind of bunched up at the top, which is exciting. You know, it's what Browns fans should want. Uh, The city is all abuzz about the Cleveland Browns. I can't go anywhere anywhere. I can't walk outside of my front door without people wanting to talk to me about the Cleveland Browns and how exciting this is. So uh, the, the feel, the energy is, is really rising in this town. And it's reminding me of what it was back in the day when things you know, were exciting and, then, and the Browns were going to AFC championship games and things like that. So uh, that's kind of the energy that's going on. Uh, you know, we talk about the team being really super solid and it is solid. Uh, and one area and Doug, we will probably get into this a little bit. You and I, uh, one area that I still think that I still think Baker needs to pick up his game. Uh, this was a game where he threw two interceptions in the second half and they need him to continue to improve and get better because he's kind of got an all-star cast around him that is really ready to take this team to the next level. And now he's just got to continue uh, to improve himself because there were uh, some issues with him in this game on Sunday, I believe. I thought he kind of carried him in the first half and then he was really bad in the second half. I, th- I thought he played pretty well. He did get helped out by some guys. Odell made a really good catch. Um, th- you know, th- they worked together as an offense, but they needed him to throw because the Colts were stopping the run pretty effectively in the first half. And so I thought there was good balance there. And then again, in the second half, he, he, he nothing worked in the past game. He completed two passes. He has as many, in, as many interceptions as completions in the second half. And then miles Garrett got a safety, you know, forced a safety one an intentional grounding in the end zone. And a couple other guys in the secondary stepped up and made some plays defensively. And there's the balance of that. He doesn't have to carry them through a season. He didn't even have to carry them through a whole game against a good team, but they needed him to play pretty well in the first half. And I thought he did. So I'll be curious. I mean, you're exactly right, Mary Kay, that it it really got away from him in the second half, but they had a big enough lead. You know, they managed the clock well in the first half. And then those defensive guys, I'm really curious to see how some of this continues to emerge. We saw more Ronnie Harrison. We saw more Sheldrick Redwine. Malcolm Smith continues to get more and more snaps at linebacker. Some of the things in the back seven feel like maybe they're working themselves out a little bit because they're getting some different guys on the field. And some of the problems that have existed back there, I I think we all still think could get better because even through five weeks, they're still working out the personnel. And some of the guys that are playing more played pretty well on Sunday. It's it's kind of about you're winning with Baker right now. And I think you'd like to see a few games here where you win because of Baker. You know, played really well in the first half, struggled in the second half. You know, you just want to see a couple games here, especially if you are going to be going into January and maybe you're going to have to go on the road and and, and win a game. Maybe you are going to have to play the Chiefs at at some point. Uh, You'd like to be able to say, okay, the Browns won this game because Baker was just plain and simple franchise quarterback level player. And I, I think, you know, there's still time to get there. I think he's still figuring out this system and this coaching staff is still, still figuring him out. Uh, but it was exciting what he did in the first half. He really worked well within that offense. And, and I think that really matters. I think that's a big step 
that they put a, a pretty big load on him in that first half and he did what he was supposed to do. And, and he did it within what Kevin Stefanski wanted to do. There's motion play action rollouts. And, and he made throws he needed to make. I mean, look, the, the touchdown throw to Kareem Hunt scrambles out of the pocket, sees Hunt in the back of the end zone and makes a perfect throw. So you see little things like that and you realize that, you know, that that ability is is in there. It's just about finding that consistency. And on the other side of the ball, their other number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. Speaking of consistency, week after week after week, he is coming up with the play that basically kind of changes the game. He's a game wrecker, a game changer, and he is holding up his vow to kind of help carry and set the tone on the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to be very interesting this week because, as we all know, this is the first time that Miles Garrett is playing the Pittsburgh Steelers after the Mason Rudolph helmet incident. Now, there won't be millions of fans in the stands to go after him and, you know, and, and want to get back at him. But I think this will still be a very emotional game for Miles. And he is also playing Ben Roethlisberger, which he loves to do. So I'm excited to see how this goes. The Steelers are really good. They have it on both sides of the ball. They're a very complete team as well. But I do think, again, we have to keep in mind, we'd all love Baker to be Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. But the Colts are paying Phillip Rivers $25 million this year. And everybody in Indianapolis is saying today, if they had better quarterback play, the Colts might be 5-0 and instead of 3-2. and Indianapolis felt like, their quarterback screwed them up on Sunday and, and helped lose them the game. Baker was bad in the second half, but the way he played in the first half did help the Browns win. So as he chases the Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes threshold, in the meantime, they have enough around him. They have a lot around him, and that's why they're a four and one team. Quarterbacks beware Sunday. You'll have the second leading sacker and the fifth leading sacker in Miles Garrett and TJ Watt on the field. <laughs> Today is October 19th. The Browns just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-7. They are on to Cincinnati. They play the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday. How are the Browns doing? Well, I'll start here. I think we're all just a little bit concerned about the starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield. He had a difficult game through two interceptions, two absolutely brutal interceptions, faced pressure all day. Now, uh, was dealing with an injury, uh, but there are some questions starting to mount about the viability of Baker Mayfield as this team's long-term answer at starting quarterback. And I think that's kind of the story that came out of Pittsburgh on Sunday, sort of above everything else. You know, who is Baker Mayfield and is Baker Mayfield good enough? I think that's what they have to try to figure out. And I think that was one of the big question marks about this season is, who is Baker Mayfield and what do they have going forward? Is he going to be the guy that can take them to the promised land over the next four, five, six, seven years? Or might they have to start looking around again? So I think that, you know, that is a question they are trying to answer right now. There are financial considerations. There are contract considerations involved in this and decisions that have to be made. Uh, but when I look at this right now, I see that there's an all-star supporting cast. There's an all-star offensive line, some all-star skill players, all-star running game, and they need a quarterback that can take them to the next level. And he has got to pick up his play in order to get them there, or you're going to start to lose all these skill players too. And it's, it's going to start to unravel. They are four and two. 
They do play the Bengals on Sunday, and the Which Bengals we should are include that. terrible. <laughs> They're still on track for the playoffs, and and we all see it. No, nobody could could deny that Baker, especially the last three halves, have been terrible. There, that, that's not a question at all. The All Star offensive line didn't play like an All Star offensive line against Pittsburgh, and the running game is missing its best running back at the moment. And I think they're feeling the effects of that. And Baker wasn't hundred percent healthy against Pittsburgh. So I am not taking the Pittsburgh loss. Uh, I'm punting it, but I'm very curious to see what the next four games go like. They had a four game winning streak against bad teams. These next four teams that they play have an even worse record overall than the four teams they beat between the Ravens and the Steelers. So all these things that you guys are saying are true. The question is, well, what do you do about it? Do you, are you going to work through it? Are you going to let Kevin Stefanski have more than half a season with Baker Mayfield as you figure it out? It, they're all out there. Of course. Yes. He's been really bad. And the, he opened the game with the pick six interception to make a Fitzpatrick that was, that encapsulated everything that has gone wrong with Baker Mayfield. But is that the number one thing right now? Of course, it's a big deal. They're also four and two. They have four winnable games ahead. They have, are doing other things well and other things they're doing poorly maybe won't kill them against some of these bad teams they're playing. So I think there has to be some continued focus on that because I think they can win through Baker's struggles and with through Baker's patience against teams that aren't Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not at this point ready to pull the plug on Baker, but I, there are concerning things that I, I think Pittsburgh exposed and that we've seen little flashes of, but They've just been playing teams that you've sort of been able to mask them a little bit. I thought he was very hesitant against Pittsburgh and especially early in the game. He just didn't pull the trigger on some throws that frankly, he should have pulled the trigger on really easy, quick throws, but he'd see a linebacker in the area. He'd see a safety in the area and he just, he wouldn't trust what he was seeing. That's something Kevin Stefanski said. I think you asked him about it, Doug, trusting his eyes. Uh, You know, the second interception to be completely honest with you, I almost think was worse than the first interception. The first interception resulted in a pick six, but the second, yeah, that was just a bad decision. The second Baker Mayfield panicked and ran out of the pocket and made a panicked throw instead of throwing the ball away. And this is a guy that has started over 30 games in the NFL. And he just sort of threw the ball up for grabs and ended up getting intercepted and gave the Steelers the ball at the 50 yard line. Uh, it, there are just concerning things that you you've got to work through with Baker Mayfield. And I hope, you know, some of them just might be mental roadblocks that he has to learn to get over and just kind of learn to keep moving forward. And it's going to take some time. And hopefully, like you said, Doug, the Browns will be able to continue winning uh, without that getting in the way. You know what? I do agree that, you know, for this season, where they're trying to go and who they have to play, I think they have, uh, I saw today, uh, the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Now, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the metrics are for that and what they're basing that on because, you know, they still have to play Pittsburgh again and they still have to play Baltimore again. They still have to play the Titans and they have to play the Raiders. So they still have some difficult games on their schedule. That doesn't say to me, you know, easiest road to hoe in the NFL. But but I do agree with Doug that, you know, they are four and two. They're still on track to make the playoffs. And this team can probably still, you know, do what it wants to do this season, I I think. I mean, after you see a game like that, you start to second guess yourself on that a little bit. Uh, I think they'll be okay. But if he doesn't kind of get it together, they have the 29th ranked passing game right now. 
that's not what this is built for. You know, you just don't spend all that money on Jack Conklin and then draft Jedrick Wills over there and retain Odell and Jarvis and re-sign Kareem and all of those things to have the 29th ranked passing game. You just don't do that. So there are problems. Some of the protection problems yesterday, Baker said he held the ball too long. I haven't looked at the numbers on that yet, but uh, you know, I, I do think that even though for right now in this moment, they can still make the playoffs perhaps and get to where they want to go. There is a larger issue here to deal with. The numbers show that he did hold the ball too long and he was responsible for some of that pressure. I, I, I did see that. So you're right on that, Mary Kay. It is hard for me to wrap my head around it. We're, we're trying to look big picture. We can't deny that this is what's bubbling in this fan base at the moment, but it is hard for me that they're four and two and I, it feels too negative to me. The, the storyline around this team feels too negative to me for a team that went through 0-16 and 1-15 and to have a chance to even get to a place like this. Does have a lot going for it. Does have some major injuries right now to Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller and, and issues on the back end. And they're winning through them. And wins over bad teams don't count any less than wins over good teams. And 30-point losses don't count against you any more than one-point losses. So... Yeah, Sunday was really, really bad. But as we look ahead, most of the like the Baker issues that we saw against Pittsburgh are ones we've seen before. They just got worse. They looked worse. But it's, it wasn't a surprise. And I don't know if you thought Baker with sore ribs was going to go pick apart Pittsburgh. It's like, well, that was, that was a tough ask. So I do think there is a possibility for sure for Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield and this passing game to improve. I absolutely think that's out there. But more importantly, in the small picture, because the big picture matters, but so does the small picture for a team that has the longest playoff drought in the league. Small picture, they got a bunch of winnable games ahead, and I think they're going to win some of them. And I, and I think that's that underlying thing that everybody's a little nervous about. They're still excited about the team, but they're a little bit nervous about how we led this thing off. Do they have the right guy at quarterback? We're going to figure it out here over the next however many weeks. What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Why would you not want to get the knowledge first. Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the, the information going directly into my phone. Playoffs is gonna happen this year. It's just really nice to get, to listen to you guys. You guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, to get the information. Uh, the emails and the um, post-game pod, you know, and stuff. It's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as Browns fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think uh, the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in LA and I can guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the LA Times. And you, know, you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for Football Insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns and hit the blue banner. 
at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. It is Monday, October 26th. The Browns just beat the Bengals 37 to 34 in Cincinnati. They are five and two. Mary Kay, how are the Browns doing? Well, wow. What a finish to that game. My, oh my. I can't remember the last time the Browns had uh, such an exciting football game, an incredible finish like that. It was exactly what the Browns needed to see from Baker Mayfield. They needed to have the game in his hands and go win it. And it was so improbable to go down there with no timeouts left, 106 remaining and win the game in the dramatic fashion that he did, having to throw a touchdown pass to a rookie, a sixth round rookie who made his first NFL catches in the fourth quarter of that game. You could not have written a better script for a comeback victory for Baker after what happened the week before. But alas, uh, it is also coupled with some uh, very unfortunate news for the Cleveland Browns in that. Odell Beckham Jr. has been lost for the season with the torn ACL. It happened on Baker's first pass of the game, another interception on the first pass of the game. Odell trying to chase down Darius Phillips, make the tackle on the return, tears the ACL out for the season. And now the Browns are kind of in regroup mode a little bit with no OBJ. I thought it was best defined by what it looked like it was going to be in the first couple of minutes. And as good as it was, it felt in the moment early on that it would, could have been bad, even more the opposite direction. And so that they fought back. Yes. With Baker starting over five and then completing his last 22 passes, but also miles Garrett, again, making plays Denzel Ward, huge game, Jarvis Landry catching, running, throwing, I thought Kareem Hunt played hard. I thought a lot of their guys showed up at a low moment for the Browns. And so I've said, you know what? I think some of the stuff at the end was great and gritty. It was a little bit lucky. It easily could have gone against them at the end that they didn't pull out this win. But they fought back together during the second quarter and third quarter. And yeah, the defense gave stuff up but that they gave themselves a chance. And I know the Bengals aren't great. I thought it was a great character win. I thought it was a big rallying cry. I think there was a lot there that they can grasp onto. And I I was going to say, you don't want to make too much. I will make too much of it. I don't care who the opponent is. I thought the Browns from Baker on down showed a lot on Sunday. And I feel like it's going to carry through the rest of the season. I think it's interesting all the different ways this team has won so far this year. Uh, You know, they've had two shootouts like this, uh, but the first one in Dallas was, you know, we're going to rush for 300 yards. And this one was Baker Mayfield's going to take over and and win this game at the end. Uh, You've got a game like Washington where the defense forces a bunch of turnovers and the offense finally kind of comes around uh, and does enough to win that game. Uh, Indianapolis even was a, was sort of a different kind of win. You, you sort of controlled the ball a little bit and, and hung on in the second half, but we've seen, in really all five of these wins that this team has just found different ways to do it. Yeah. You know, whether it doesn't really matter who the opponent has been, they've just found different ways to beat teams. It's not always just one way. And I think that's a good sign for this team. And I think the other thing too, we've, we've been around this before. Sometimes a win can feel like a loss when something like the Odell Beckham ACL injury happens. And certainly that's a downer off of this game, but I think, 
the game itself, part of it is because the injury happened so early on. Uh, but the game itself was so important for this team to go out and kind of show what they were made of, show that they were resilient, even against the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow playing out of his mind though, on the other side, I think it's uh, you still feel good about this game, even though it is a little bittersweet that you lose one of your star players in the process. That's very, very true, Dan. And, and I think the other very key important thing about this game is uh, it could prove to be a turning point for Baker Mayfield. He once again had all of the national media calling for his job. He had some in the local media, including me, questioning whether or not he is the quarterback of the future, given that they have to make some important decisions in the offseason. With his back firmly against the wall, he came out swinging like he often does. It's sort of been his MO throughout his career. He loves to be doubted. He thrives uh, like that. He's always played best with a chip on his shoulder. The other factor here too is, I mean, there was the OBJ factor. He was in that locker room at halftime. They knew by that time that he was out for the season with a torn ACL. They didn't announce it until the next morning this morning, but they knew he was out. And it, he gave inspirational messages to Baker Mayfield and to rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones to go be great. And those guys kind of, uh, you know, took that, they put the team on their backs and they kind of went out there and won that one for OBJ. It makes you sick to your stomach a little bit. What happened to Odell and just how things have gone here in Cleveland for him. It's been so difficult. And I just, we all agree. Every Browns fit. He is just a supernaturally gifted and talented player. He's just different. And it's so sad. You feel so bad for him and they can't replace him. They don't have someone like him. But I don't think it is the end for them. And that is the that is a positive out of this that they do not have a guy like him. He changes a defense when he's on the field. But here we're sitting. They're five and two. And I don't certainly feel it. I don't know that anybody feels that this is the injury that's going to derail their season. They don't have someone who can do what he does, but they'll just have to do other things. They'll have to throw to the tight end more. They'll have to go back to the running game more. Jarvis Landry is going to have to play like a pro bowler and be the number one receiver. But all those things seem possible. And I think that might be the strangest, newest, most positive feeling for the Browns out of this is you lose a star. And it feels like they're going to be okay. And that means there's something good going on here, as bad as you feel for Odell. And, and to go back to the Baker point that you made, Mary Kay, he certainly quiets the critics off of this game, uh, leads that game-winning drive, something we haven't seen him do very often, at least, you know, at the end of a game like that. You know, really, what was it, three go-ahead touchdowns in that game for the Browns in, in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he certainly quiets the critics. But now as we continue through this process of trying to evaluate Baker and trying to get a long-term read on him, it's about stacking, right? That's what NFL players love to talk about is stacking. So now you've got Las Vegas coming to town. You've got games against teams you should be able to beat, teams you should be able to to put up decent numbers against. You're in a very nice part of the schedule. And you kind of stack towards those big divisional games at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, this is a good start for Baker, but that's that's what it is. It, It has to be a start. It can't continue to be the starts and stops. 
Yes, absolutely. It's a great first step towards saying to the Browns, hey, no, I am your guy. Because I think just like last year, the doubts can start to creep in for a young player as well. So I think that it was an opportunity for him to say, no, I'm going to prove to you. uh, I know that I only have 10 games and whatever playoff games for you to make some huge decisions in the offseason. And I'm going to prove to you that I am this franchise quarterback and I am what I said I was at the senior bowl. When I said, if anybody can turn this team around, it is me. He wants to be that guy. And this was his first, you know, plant the flag and show everyone that yes, I intend to prove it. Now he still has to do that. Uh, It's, it's not over yet. Uh, Again, we don't want to say, you know, this was the Bengals, but uh, you know, he has to do it also against the good teams to show uh, that, that he is the one. It is Monday, November 2nd. The Browns just lost to the Las Vegas Raiders 16-6. They are on the bye week. So how are they doing? Well, I'll tell you this. They needed this bye week. That's really how I feel about this football team. That's how Sunday looked with this football team. They're beat up. They have injured guys, hopefully coming back against Houston in a couple weeks. I just think they needed this bye week, a chance to get away. Obviously, they can't go anywhere, but at least be away from the facility and have a weekend where they don't have to worry about football quite as much, get their minds right, get their bodies right. Perfect timing for this thing for the Browns. And, you know, especially, I think, because the best player on the Cleveland Browns really needs to heal up. Now, they dodged a bullet today. Uh, Miles Garrett underwent an MRI on his knee. There is no significant structural damage. That is huge for them. We've all seen what a Browns defense without Miles Garrett is, especially this season. We saw it yesterday uh, when they lost 16-6 to to the Raiders with him not on the field for much of the game. So the fact that he uh, dodged a bullet there and doesn't have any significant structural damage in the knee is huge. He should be back for the stretch run, uh, and this buy enables him to heal up the knee, his ankle, and uh, a wrist that is very painful right now. I do feel like that I, I agree with what both you said. They need Miles. They need to get Austin Hooper back. They need to get Nick Chubb back. They need to get Wyatt Teller back. It feels like there's optimism on this team that those guys will be back after the bye. But I didn't feel like we learned much from this last game. I think five and three going into the bye, most people would have taken that for this team before the season. And I feel like we do have to note there is some level of consternation around this defense right now. And I think for some people, they feel like what happened against the Raiders were the defensive issues coming to a head in some way. But Miles wasn't out there for part of the time, really wasn't himself when he was out there. And their problem was they couldn't get off the field when they needed to. The weather was terrible. They only gave up 16 points. So there is a part of me that is like, I feel like people are freaking out about this defense. The Raiders gained 309 yards. The Browns gained 223. The Raiders ran 24 more plays than the Browns did. It's not like the Raiders marched up and down the field on the Browns. So I feel like this was an injured team. Dan, you hit it right on the head. They need a break. And everything with the defense, we already knew. We already Miles already knew Miles Garrett is the guy who fixes every defensive problem. When he's not out there, all you've got is problems. But I would hope that right now, Browns fans, I think, should feel good 
about this team. I, there is much more good than bad. And I'm a little worried that people are going to have a hangover during this buy of defensive worries that I think are perhaps being exaggerated. Cause listen, man, we knew the back seven's an issue. What else is new with there? That Sunday didn't reveal anything. It just confirmed what we already have been seeing. And we know this is a boomer bust defense. We, we've talked about that. This is a defense that if they don't force turnovers, it might get kind of ugly. And, you know, I think back to the early parts of that Raiders game where Miles was literally centimeters away from a strip sack. And then immediately after that, Derek Carr almost threw a pick six to Ronnie Harrison. But instead, Miles didn't get the strip sack. Ronnie Harrison didn't get the pick six. Now the Raiders missed the field goal. But, you know, you're talking about big swings there where your defense kind of did bend but not break in that scenario. And maybe things turn out a little bit differently if you get seven out of that turnover or if Harrison Bryant doesn't fumble uh, after the missed field goal by the Raiders. This defense isn't built to shut people down. That's just the reality. We know that. We've learned that over eight games. The Browns are going to do their self-scout this week. And I'm sure that they're going to have that kind of conversation. We know this front office did not make a big investment in this defense at all this past offseason. It's, it's something I think they'll address in the coming offseason. And we, we just sort of saw when you play a team that doesn't turn the football over and you can't make that one big play, it can be kind of a frustrating afternoon and you end up on the wrong side of a 37 to 23 time of possession discrepancy. You know, I, I agree with you guys. And, and I, I agree with you, Doug, there that, um, you know, that it's not really time to push the panic button. I think uh, not only will they get a healthier Miles Garrett back in the second half, Ronnie Harrison is going to know the scheme better. Uh, Olivier Vernon woke up a little bit yesterday and had a couple of sacks. And I think that uh, he's, still recovering from an abdominal injury. And I think he's going to be better as he goes along. Uh, You've got uh, Mac Wilson. Uh, He's still working his way back. So I think you're going to see a healthier defense after the bye. I'm not anticipating somebody coming in here on a trade and riding in on a white horse and saving the defense. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think the other important thing to note at this midpoint is they're not without, I mean, they are without, Odell Beckham Jr. for the rest of the season. I mean, he is out. Uh, he is out for the rest of the season with his torn ACL. They have to They have to figure out uh, how to deal with that. Jarvis is having his struggles right now. Jarvis is suffering from two cracked ribs, and, and he's still coming back from his hip injury. He has not been himself. I think we can all agree that Jarvis Landry has not been himself. We've seen him drop balls that we haven't seen him drop. Uh, so they're in a little bit of a state of flux and they, uh, you know, hopefully for their sake, they can kind of get it together at the bye. What, what for me happened on Sunday didn't change the trend. And I think for fans of this team, I think they are, the Browns are trending the right way. And there was a lot of stuff. A lot of the first half was, is Baker trending the right way or the wrong way? And if you think the Bengals game helped revitalize Baker a little bit, I think this bye Kevin Stefanski and this offensive staff will have an extended period of time to figure out exactly what is this offense without Odell Beckham Jr. I think Joe Woods and the defensive staff will have an extended period of time to say, okay, what exactly are we? We know who we have and don't have here in the back seven now. As you said, I thought Olivier Vernon waking up Mary Kay was one of the best things that came out of Sunday's game. But I think it feels like people, based on the first half of the season, should have trust in the coaching staff. 
So then I think you should have trust that the Browns in the second half, they're five and three in the first half. I think you should trust in the second half of the year, even without Odell, they have the potential to be even better. The schedule is pretty favorable. And that's why I think there are just a lot of reasons for confidence that when they get healthy, these coaches will know this team even better. I think this second half is setting up very well for them. The one thing about, about the Odell note, and I don't know if this is something that'll play out long-term or if this was just a one game thing is it is a lot more difficult for a guy like Rashard Higgins for guys like Kaderil Hodge, whoever else they throw out there, Donovan Peoples Jones. It's a lot more difficult when you're now the number two as opposed to the number three or the number four. And a team is kind of looking at you as, okay, this guy's going to be out on the field. We're going to have our second best corner against this guy now. And our second best corner is going to figure out exactly how to shut down Rashard Higgins, as opposed to maybe if you're Higgins, you can work in the, in the margins a little bit. Uh, I'm curious to see how the Browns kind of make those sorts of adjustments, because that is definitely, you know, one thing that Odell Beckham always did, whether he was having good games or not, he commanded the top guys from the other team. And now those guys are a little freed up to, to maybe pick up some other folks. So uh, that, that's really something to watch as we move forward. And, and just briefly, you know, there are some other things to note as, as they come out of the bye. And that is, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Doug, they should have Nick Chubb coming back. If not right away in that first game, he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks after this bye. Uh, same thing. Hooper's going to be back right after the bye. Teller should be back fairly soon afterwards. So help is on the way and they play five more defenses ranked in the twenties, five more pass defenses ranked in the twenties. So they have a lot of opportunity to win a lot more games. It is November 9th. The Browns just finished up their bye week They played the Houston Texans on Sunday at first energy stadium. So how are the Browns doing right now? You know what? The Browns right now have so many guys coming back off of injuries that I think the future looks very bright. As they come off this bye week and head into their final eight games of the season, you're getting guys back very healthy. Uh, the number one guy coming back is Nick Chubb. Uh, he was just designated for return from injured reserve. And look, when you talk about face of the franchise, that's Nick Chubb. He has been the face of this team other than Baker Mayfield uh, for the last couple of years. So uh, that is huge, huge news for the Browns. You've got Wyatt Teller coming back. He's a major reason that they were blasting holes open for Nick Chubb. Uh, then again, I was out at practice uh, just, just today. Saw Miles Garrett coming back from a knee injury. Uh, saw Jarvis Landry out there. Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt have been playing with cracked ribs. So has Baker Mayfield. These guys have played with cracked ribs or uh, displaced cartilage in their ribs. And this was just a week for these guys to all get healthy. It was also a week in which uh, the Browns kind of slipped out of the last playoff spot. And now they've got to get back in and go on a run. But now they have the bodies to do it. They're in a spot to do it, but it really is go time for these guys coming out of the bye. Five and three was a great first half, but looking at the football outsiders playoff predictor, they have the Browns with a 40.9% chance to make the playoffs. That's ninth in the AFC where there's seven playoff spots. So they didn't get help this past weekend. Miami won a close game against Arizona. Miami is on a roll. They're five and three. The Raiders won a close game with the Chargers in the last second. The Raiders are certainly a, a legitimate wildcard contender. 
So there's no more time to mess around for the Browns. So as Mary Kay said, they're getting back. I think they are ready to play their best football. Honestly, as good as they were, they five and three for the Browns halfway is great. I think better days are ahead, but they have no room for error. There's no margin for error. I think this looks like a 10 win team, but I think it has to be a 10 win team if they want to get where they want to get, which is breaking the NFL's longest playoff drought. And I, I look back to last year when this team played just a brutal schedule early and they got out to a two and six start and it, it was just awful. And they were behind the eight ball going into the second half and they, they went on a little mini run, uh, but then, you know, they lost Arizona. Things just fell apart. They lost to Pittsburgh the second time they played them and duck Hodges and they just, that, that wiggle room, right. That no room for error. They couldn't take advantage of it, but this year, at least they've given themselves that chance. They're tied with three other teams at five and three. And Doug, you ran through the list. You look at Las Vegas. Okay. They obviously beat the Browns. They've got that tiebreaker. I think they're a pretty good. I think they're a solid football team. Miami's starting a rookie quarterback who played great in Arizona, but also threw for 93 yards, you know, a week ago. Indianapolis has a really good defense, but they're also relying on Phillip Rivers. And that that seems questionable. So the Browns have as good a chance as any of these teams to get to that 10 wins. And it helps that they're playing Houston. Philadelphia, Jacksonville, they've got a nice schedule here coming up. Now, if your defense isn't any good, you can lose any game you play, but the Browns also should be able to score against these teams. They should be able to move the football against these teams. And and they're going to be able to set themselves up for a run here, kind of based on what they do over these next three games where you'd hope to win all three, but at least win two of those and, and set yourself up. And you know what, Dan, you mentioned, uh, you know, that down the stretch, things kind of fell apart last season. When I look at down the stretch for this season, Miles Garrett is going to be in a dogfight for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He wants that this year. On his way to helping this team get to the playoffs, he wants to be the best defensive player in the NFL. I think that's going to be a huge factor. He wasn't around last year for that. Nick Chubb coming back. We've seen Nick Chubb strap this football team on his back and take it for a ride along with three defenders on the opponent. Uh, We've seen that. He's going to want that. Kareem Hunt, he's already said uh, in an interview with us that he is on a mission to get his hometown team to the playoffs. So I think we're going to see him play with his hair on fire and lights out. Denzel Ward is playing great. So I think there's a lot of guys on this team that are going to step up the rest of the way and play really good football. And and we have not seen how good this run game can be with how good Baker Mayfield can be. And the idea that when they were running the ball early in the year in the first three and a half games before Nick Chubb got hurt, They were leaning on that really hard because Baker Mayfield was finding his way in this new Kevin Stefanski offense. And Baker's not all the way there yet, but he's learning every week and he was learning without Nick Chubb. And so I think in their ninth game, when you see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with a more comfortable Baker Mayfield, even though Odell Beckham Jr. is gone and we cannot, you know, we can't overemphasize that is a big loss, but I think I'm very curious to see what does Baker Mayfield look like now that he's more comfortable now that they've got Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb. Now that they got all the pieces of this great run game, I think there's another level for this offense, even without Odell that we might start seeing in the second half. I also like that they get to fly under the radar here a little bit. 
for these next few weeks because of who they're playing, because these aren't like super important games. You know, eventually you're going to play the Ravens on Monday night football. You're going to be right back in that spotlight. You're going to play the Steelers in week 17. Uh, you know, you're going to play the Titans on, on December 1st. I, you know, I wonder if that's maybe a game that, that gets flexed at some point. But these next three games, you're playing teams that you're going to be favored against. You know, nobody cares about that Jacksonville game. Nobody's going to be watching that game. You get to fly under the radar, build that momentum a little bit. You don't have to deal with any of the circus about it. And then you get to go play Tennessee and Nashville and kind of say, all right, let's see where we are. Here's, here's one of the measuring sticks. Let's get there and see where we are. And I, I think that's probably good for this football team too. And as, as Doug mentioned earlier too, uh, they just can't stumble in these next couple of games. They're in the midst of a three game homestand right now. Uh, they already lost uh, to the Raiders to kick it off. Uh, now they do have to come out and win uh, these next two games against the Texans and the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know, you always have that one game every year where you're supposed to beat a team and you lose to that team. And we've seen it happen all across the NFL this whole entire season where that team just jumps up and bites the good team in the behind. And the Browns have to make sure that doesn't happen over the next two weeks. And I think maybe they have to hope that it, that was the Raiders game, right? Not that they're that much better than the Raiders, but that was just a weird game. That was maybe a game you thought you could win and you didn't. But this is serious. Like this is, they are right on the cusp here. Because eight and eight at this point would be disappointing with the way they started and and the pieces they have here. Eight and eight would be a bit of a letdown. Nine and seven, you know, you're okay, but you might not make the playoffs. But 10 and six is right there. They have to go get it. 10 and six is right there. And then you know what? If you don't make the playoffs at 10 and six, you can't control what everybody else does. Go get 10 and six. That's what's there for the Browns as this second half starts. Yeah, it's, it's important. It may not feel like it. I'll end this on a downer. This team has lost two of three. And that one win was against the Bengals in a shootout, one of those coin flip games, which you take it, but they have lost two of three. So they need to get that right. And they've got a chance to do it. And you can't let Deshaun Watson come into your stadium and throw for 400 yards and, and like four touchdowns. It is November 16th. The Browns just beat the Houston Texans 10 to seven. So how are the Browns doing with the Eagles coming to town on Sunday? How about they're right in the middle of this giant six and three blob, but they are very much still in the playoff hunt, beating a team they were supposed to beat on Sunday. And here they go. The race is on. You know what? That six and three blob that you're talking about is going to be very interesting, interesting and exciting over these next seven games that the Browns have left. Everything, again, is just all packed in there. And it means that they really have got to go out and pretty much just try to win every single game. Uh, they have to win the ones that we expect them to win. They might have to take one that we don't expect them to win to make the playoffs. Uh, right now, as it stands, they're the number eight seed there are seven playoff teams uh, that go from each conference. So right now they're number eight. Uh, but when I look at the rest of the schedule, I think they actually have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. Now, mathematically, they definitely do. Uh, so if, if they can, you know, gain some ground these next two weeks against the Eagles, against the Jaguars, their chances of making the playoffs, which right now are in the 45% range, will increase dramatically. 
thought there were some good things on the field, even though it was a weird game, maybe a frustrating game in a lot of ways, but it really is a companion game to the Raiders loss before the bye. Two home games, both with weird weather. They lose one, they win one, but you saw the difference. You saw who the Browns can be because when they lost to the Raiders, Miles Garrett wasn't out there all the time, wasn't himself. Look what he did. He he had huge plays against Deshaun Watson and the Texans on Sunday. When they lost to the Raiders, they didn't have Nick Chubb. Now you had the two-headed running back, and you saw that run game put the game away against the Texans in the second half. There's There's just a lot in front of this team, and I still do feel like we're all treading water a little bit because the weather and the wind in particular has been such a factor in the last two games. You know, but you got to live to see another day. They went one and one in those games. But as much as we're talking about this mess and this playoff race is going to be awesome. Listen, I think, you know, we were talking about nine and seven. Would nine and seven be good enough? You get in a tie. I don't know. Ten and six, you might need to get there. The Titans don't look like who we thought they were. The Ravens just lost to the Patriots. I'm not so sure we're not talking about not nine or 10 wins, but maybe 10 or 11 wins. But really, in the end, They just did on the field what they can control. They did on the field what they had to do in a weird game, but they got to win. I think what I take away from this game is that the Browns got their identity back a little bit Uh, against the raid against the Raiders. It was sort of the Raiders doing what the Browns do, controlling the ball, running the ball. You know, it was a 13 possession game and the Raiders had seven of them and and they kind of out Browns to the Browns in that game. And that, you know, the guys were even saying they beat us at our own game after that one. And the Browns got their identity back on Sunday. And, you know, yeah, it was windy. It was rainy. The Texans aren't that good, but the Browns did what they were supposed to do. Nick Chubb ran like crazy. Kareem Hunt looked better suddenly as, as the number two back. Miles Garrett was making game-changing plays like you mentioned, Doug. This felt like the Browns we saw against Cincinnati in week two and, the, you know, the Colts and, the, the Washington football team. And that, you know, when they got off to that hot start before they went to Pittsburgh, this is the Browns that we saw in September and this is their identity. And this is what's going to get them to the playoffs is playing football. Like they played against the Texans on Sunday. You know, I, I think, I think it will, I think you're right about that. And I think uh, when they play most of the subpar defenses that they will be playing, they should be able to tear it up on the ground and run the ball like that. There will be weeks Uh, a couple of weeks where they might not be able to run the ball like that. Uh, They probably won't be able to against Pittsburgh. They might not be able to uh, run it like that against Baltimore, but I think they have enough other things going on offensively, even without an Odell Beckham Jr., uh, that they should be able to then get their tight ends involved and get Richard Higgins more involved and Jarvis Landry. So I think even when they can't rely on that two-headed monster, which is, as you mentioned, Dan, the identity of the Browns right now, uh, I, I think they'll have enough to get the job done. We need to know more about the defense still. And I think there there are reasons to imagine that this defense maybe can play better in the second half of the season. But there were 12 defenders on the field on Sunday, 11 people wearing Browns jerseys and then Mother Nature because Deshaun Watson could not throw in that. He thought that he had some deep balls, a couple shots to Will Fuller that he said were on target. And then the wind blew him at the last second. So Baker Mayfield had to deal with that as well. But obviously when you're talking about maybe a downfield passing game that those conditions hurt Deshaun Watson more. 
So we're still, again, treading water a little bit. Miles Garrett is maybe the best defensive player in football right now. Denzel Ward is Denzel Ward. Ronnie Harrison's coming on. But I, I would caution anybody, and I think people know this. You see that seven, that was a zero for a long time in that game. It was a zero for a long time. And you think, oh, wait, this defense is like, okay. When, when the weather is not on your side, I still don't know what this defense will do. I think there's hope there, but there are still also issues there. So, which just goes back to sometimes the best, the best defense for the Browns is going to be Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running the ball in the fourth quarter and not forcing the Browns defense to be on the field. I also still don't think we know exactly who Baker Mayfield is going to be this season, or maybe we do, and, and that could be a problem. But I, I feel like we don't know who Baker Mayfield is going to be this season just yet. And, you know, comparing it to Deshaun Watson, right? It was that zero was a zero for a long time, Doug. But then Deshaun Watson makes kind of a Superman play with a guy hanging on his leg and then throws a strike on, I don't know what that play was with the Texans where they had two guys in the same spot, but, but there was a strike to one of those two guys. Uh, and you were a little nervous, I think if the Browns gave the ball back to Deshaun Watson. And I don't think you feel that right now with Baker Mayfield. So the Browns kind of have to minimize him just a little bit. And, and I'd like to see that change kind of over the last few weeks against some bad pass defenses. I think we do have to remember though, that Baker did lead the touchdown drive and made a third and 18 crazy sideline throw to Rashard Higgins that they had a three for a long time. And they got to a 10 with a really good drive where Baker did make at least one throw on that drive that saved him. Yes, he definitely did. Uh, the unfortunate thing I think about these last two games is they really didn't give the Browns a great opportunity to evaluate Baker Mayfield. Uh, and each one of these games is so vitally important uh, as they make this decision going forward. Uh, these two games in those high wins and, you know, with all those drop passes against the Raiders that they had, uh, they just really didn't get a chance uh, to, to take a good look at his ability uh, to help win a game for them. Uh, so they're going to still have to look for that down the road. I will say if, and when we ever get to the point where we do know what Baker Mayfield is, I have no idea what we're going to talk about because every week it's like, what's he, I don't know. Who knows? What could he be? The one thing I think we might have to come to some consensus on is that he's inconsistent. He made a couple great throws on Sunday. He also missed a couple very makeable throws on Sunday. But to your point, Mary Kay, and to all of this, Dan, what you're saying, it was windy. So, okay, you had Kareem Hunt. You should have made that throw. You missed him. You threw it behind him. Did the wind blow it? Did you just miss him? If Deshaun Watson misses a throw, you think, okay, if he says the wind blew it, the wind blew it. We believe you, Deshaun. We don't exactly know that with Baker now. But I will say, for Browns fans, it's better to be uncertain about your quarterback in victory than in defeat. And one last thing real quick about Miles Garrett. Uh, he has maintained, actually, he moved into the, the sack lead right now. He had a half a sack in that game. So he is atop the leaderboard at nine and a half right now. And I think this will be interesting uh, as we move through the rest of the season, too, as he makes that bid for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Today is November 23rd. The Browns just beat the Eagles 22 to 17. They are heading to Jacksonville for their first road game in a while against the Jaguars. So how are the Browns doing? I think they're doing so well. People are shocked. 
I like to float things on Twitter sometime. And I just posted this on Twitter last night. All I said was the number of teams that have a better record than the Cleveland Browns is three. The only three teams that have a better record are Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and New Orleans. And you would think that I invented a COVID vaccine. It's like people don't realize it. It feels like the whole league is at seven and three. The Browns are in that big lump of teams. I think there are seven teams that are seven and three, but there are only three teams better. And there's a lot of, there's a million things that go into that. But that simple statement of fact, I think just made people realize how well this season is going for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to give them credit. They are winning the football games uh, that they need to win right now to stay in this very, very tight race. Uh, They've got a couple of tough games coming up, but they still have plenty of winnable games. At this point, I think uh, 10 is, is almost a lock, and there is a chance that they could go to 11. Who knows? Maybe even more. The Baltimore Ravens seem to be falling apart a little bit. Uh, the Titans aren't exactly what they we thought that they were going to be. Their defense isn't very good. And of course, the Browns coming up next week after after just beating the Eagles yesterday, 22 to 17, without Miles Garrett, by the way, uh, have the one and nine Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. So I think we can expect them to be eight and three after this weekend is over and in really good shape for making the playoffs. They've they've jumped two hurdles that I, I really like here. You know, I, I always talk about not like liking to count up wins too fast, but one of the hurdles was going against, you know, you had that shootout in Cincinnati, right? And then you're going against Deshaun Watson. And I had visions of that being a similar game. Does it turn into a coin flip and maybe Houston steals one, but guess what? The weather stunk and the Browns took advantage of it. They played the way they wanted to play and they beat Houston. Philadelphia comes in. That's a tough matchup with their pass rush. Miles Garrett is on the COVID list. Guess what? The Browns figure out a way to win that football game anyway. So they cleared kind of two hurdles that weren't games that you looked at and said, oh, Houston should beat them or Philadelphia should beat them. But you could see a scenario where they get tripped up and it didn't happen. They won both those games. And now you're starting to run out of games that you can look at and say, they're going to get tripped up by this team. And I'm not talking about like the Ravens and Steelers, right? Those are those are different. I'm talking about these games where you look at and say the Browns are going to be favored in those games for sure they're passing all these little tests and that's how they might end up at 11 wins or 12 wins. All of a sudden they're not going to go 13 and three. That's not a hot take, but they have a real shot to, I mean, like you said, Mary Cam with you, I think 10 is almost, you almost write it in pen at this point, obviously a lot can happen, but 11 is a real possibility. And, and who knows, maybe even 12. And they did it last week without their best player. They're going to not have Miles Garrett again against Jacksonville, as Mary Kay Cabot said. Listen, has Patrick Mahomes been on the COVID list? Has Russell Wilson been on the COVID list? Has Kyler Mur- is that he's the best player in the NFL to have been directly affected by the pandemic? Is he not? I mean, this is the so. no t- injuries are part of the game. COVID is not part of football in a normal year. And the Browns, this is the the toughest loss for any team. That's how good Miles Garrett is. And they survived it on Saturday, on Sunday against the Eagles, in part because Olivier Vernon showed up in a way, maybe his best game as a Brown. Yes, the Eagles' offensive line is not great. It seemed like the Olivier Vernon bull rush that gets 
stopped a lot of the time, worked really well against the Eagles. But what a great reminder that, hey, by the way, they do have another defensive end who's really highly paid and maybe has not been as productive as his contract. And when they needed him, when the Browns needed a pass rush against a quarterback and Carson Wentz who holds the ball, everybody gets pressure on the Eagles. But what are the Browns going to do without Miles Garrett? They got it. And they got it with a guy who when in a, in a game where if Olivier Vernon was, was just average, that game might go differently. It was a great reminder of these, this team has some superstars, but they also have some guys behind them and what a day for Vernon to show up. You know, the other thing about this game, I think to note is not only were they without miles Garrett, uh, but they were also without Ronnie Harrison for almost the entire football game. He only played six snaps and he is, he has held down that fort uh, at the safety position. He's been a major reason why they've been uh, getting better on defense. So I think that was significant that, that they were able to go out and win this game uh, when they didn't even have Ronnie Harrison. Now, the, the thing that they have to hope for now, they have to hold their breath and hope that Denzel Ward, uh, who is undergoing an MRI today, does not have any kind of a serious calf injury that's going to keep him out for any length of time. But once again, I do believe that, it, you know, if you do have to go into a game without Miles, because he will not be playing again in Jacksonville, and if you have to play without Denzel Ward, going and playing the one and nine Jaguars would probably be the week where you would want to be without those guys. Yeah, I mean, the Jags don't even know who their quarterback is going to be on Sunday. I mean, and, and, and their options are, you know, Gardner Minshew, who's fun, but he's Gardner Minshew, and Mike Glennon and Jake Loughton or Luton or however you say his name, who just threw a, a ton of interceptions. So uh, they don't even know who they're playing at quarterback. But look, the defense is something to keep an eye on because you know, I've said, there's really like three guys on this defense that I – like trust. And that's Miles, Denzel. And I mean, Ronnie Harrison has kind of earned that pretty quickly, I think. Uh, but what he does kind of in unlocks in this defense is really important. So, you know, they dodged a bullet, I think with Harrison, you know, Garrett, my only concern is, you know, he's had symptoms. We know this is going to keep him out another game. Will there be lingering effects from this? Will this slow him down even when he comes back? We'll see, but I mean, even a miles at 75% is still pretty stinking good. And, you know, hopefully Denzel Ward is healthy. I mean, that's really kind of what you're concerned about this week because you're, you're certainly not real concerned about the team on the other side. And actually, that's a really good point. There, there is a health issue to this with COVID. I mean, we want everybody wants Miles Garrett to be healthy. Ezekiel Elliott had COVID early on, I think even before the season, I think some people wonder if there are any lingering effects with that. So, I mean, there is a, that's a, a, a good thing to remind people of a, you know, Miles has symptoms. You want Miles as a person to be healthy, but you also want Miles Garrett as maybe the best defensive player in the NFL to be healthy because if he gets back healthy and he's good, I still think the Browns' best game is out there. I think they have not played a complete run game, Baker looking good, Miles doing his thing, the rest of the defense being okay. I think their best performance is out there. To some degree, I was waiting for that against the Texans and the Eagles, and I don't think you would say it was they had their best performance. Maybe the weather was part of that, but there's still a level I think they have not reached that. And I think they have a chance to maybe reach that against the Titans or against the Ravens, which is why they still, I think I've said it a few straight weeks, they're seven and three right now, and I still think they're on an upward trend. I still think their best football is ahead of them. Well, they are getting healthier, and, and that really helps. But one of the reasons why they are on an upward trend is the two-headed monster of Nick Chubb 
and Kareem Hunt. When you have those two guys, especially in the weather that they will be playing in, in Cleveland, they have two more home games left. Then they've got two games in New York. They've got uh, several games uh, that you're going to probably still have to deal with weather. Uh, and when you have those two guys, really anything can happen. And a lot of people want to talk about, you know, why not use them both at the same time? I think one of the things that these guys are doing that's really helped is they're letting each of them take a breather on the sideline and get fresh, get their legs underneath them, get their wind underneath them, and then go out uh, with that lethal attack. Like you see uh, Nick with that 54 yard blast uh, and that devastating stiff arm. He can do that because he hasn't played every single down. He's, he's catching his breath for a while on the sideline. So the one, two punch is devastating. And, and it showed up during the Eagles game with the long run and the amazing hurdle. Off to Jacksonville and knock on wood some warm and welcoming weather for this football team, finally. Hey, it's Dan. I want to make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You get a podcast every single day, Monday through Friday, and two additional podcasts each week. Gotta watch the tape where Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, and Doug Maurice do a deep dive on the Cleveland Browns. So that's seven podcasts a week right there on your phone. Just make sure you're subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or again, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It is November 30th, the last day of November. The Browns 27 to 25 winners over Jacksonville on Sunday. They head to Tennessee to take on the Titans this coming Sunday. So how are the Browns doing, Mary Kay? Well, actually, Dan and Doug, they're doing really well right now. They have won three straight games. They are eight and three right now for the first time since 1994. I was actually covering the team back then. Bill Belichick was the head coach. I was very, very young. So was he. And they have Miles Garrett coming back for this big game against the Tennessee Titans, or he at least he should be back off the COVID reserve list. They have about a 70% chance right now of making the playoffs. So fans can get excited about that right now. And as of right now, the outlook going forward looks pretty darn good. And it really looks good compared to some other teams. You look what the Raiders did this week, going to Atlanta and not even being competitive when they're in the thick of a playoff race and they need to win games like that. So it's a reminder again that, you know, teams can lose to bad teams and the Browns just haven't done that. And I do think Mary Kay, you mentioned it, the idea that they got through the absence of miles Garrett and won these last two games, I think cannot be overstated because it was a built-in excuse. He's their best player. He changes everything about them defensively on every single snap when he's on the field and however they had to do it. And they needed the offense to pick it up a little bit. They needed a couple guys just on a player two to do something defensively. And they found a way against the Eagles and they found a way against the Jaguars. And I think if they would have lost one of those two games, you know, I mean, we'd be saying, well, you know, they didn't have miles, right? So it would have been a reasonable thing. So, you know, and you don't know for sure until he's on the field on Sunday, but as you said, Mary Kay, everything's on track and you just can't lose sight of that because he's obviously so important to them. And even against sure. Yes, they were bad opponents. They still found a way to get to eight and three. 
And that's sort of where I'm at too. I think this is maybe what I said last week, but the Browns just kind of keep doing what they're supposed to do. And that doesn't always happen in the NFL. And we saw lots of examples of that on Sunday uh, when, you know, Arizona loses to new England, right. At the last second, Atlanta just rolls past the Raiders. Like you mentioned, Doug, there's so many examples of this every single week in the Browns just haven't lost a game they they're supposed to win yet this year. They're just, it hasn't been a slip up that you look at, you know, their three losses are Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and the Raiders who, despite that loss against Atlanta, I think are a pretty good football team. The conditions in that game were crazy. The Raiders kind of out Browns the Browns, but they, there hasn't been a bad loss. And so now here you are eight and three starting December. You're going to go to Tennessee and play a team that is good, not great. And everything's in front of you. The path to 10 wins is right there. The path to 11 wins is certainly possible. And you get to one of those two numbers, you've got a good chance to make the playoffs. And you know what? And I think another important thing about this last stretch that we're talking about is that uh, that Baker Mayfield has gained some confidence. Say what you will once again about the opponents, but the fact that he has not thrown an interception in four straight games now, which is a career long for him. I think his streak is 123 passes without an interception. That says a lot for Baker Mayfield uh, because it really, you know, anybody can intercept a a pass. It doesn't matter if you're a good team or you're a bad team. If you're making a bad throw, uh, it can get picked off by someone. So for him to gain that little bit of confidence, I think that's been big for him. He knows that he wants two throws back from this game two throws back from last game. He knows now, I mean, those were a learning experience for him, but they came in victories. He doesn't have to go home and and really beat himself up too badly about a couple of missed throws into the end zone because they won both football games. So he can say, yeah, now I can go back to the drawing board. I've got to make those. And I think that, that he is, it's lighting a little bit of a fire under him. And he knows that when he plays the next two opponents coming up, the Titans and the Ravens, that he's got to be a little bit more on point in those kinds of situations. And, you know, getting a big game, a big connection with Jarvis Landry was huge. And in playing the Titans this week, Dan, you sort of referenced them as a, maybe not a great team, right? They have some flaws. They are also eight and three, just like the Browns, that they are not a perfect team. It's a reminder of that. But I think the Titans in a lot of ways kind of show the path for the Browns. They obviously have a great running game with Derrick Henry, just like the Browns do. They have an iffy defense. You know, Tennessee was off to a really good start, but this is a defense that gave up 31 to the Bengals and Joe Burrow. They gave up 34 to Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago, but now they're coming off two good wins. So this is a very interesting matchup. I think when you see what the Titans did last year, I think that might, you know, making the ASU championship game, that could be a roadmap for the Browns in some ways that you don't have to be a perfect team. You don't have to have Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. If you have a run game, you can rely on that goes a long way. And I think what we saw again against the Jaguars is this run game, put the game away, not just in the last four minutes, but they have reached the point where in the second half, it is a guarantee that they are going to pop some big runs. We saw a 20 plus yard run from, from Nick Chubb. We saw another one from Kareem hunt that you can see them figuring out the run game and wearing teams down. And it was another reminder of this formula that we obviously see that the Browns have, and it follows a lot of what the Titans did a year ago to not just have a good season, but win a couple playoff games. So this is a great matchup to test the Browns strength against what is really the Titans' strength as well. Yeah. These are, 
very similar teams. When, when you look at how they play, the way they, they work around the run, um, they, uh, <laughs> you look at the defenses, these are, these are very, very similar football teams. And, and for the Titans, they got those matchups in the playoffs and they took advantage of it. And we've seen the Browns, you know, be in a position where they can take advantage of matchups. And I want to see now how Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff this week approach what is a really important football game. I, I think, you know, I hate to say this, but I feel like they, they kind of knew they could go down to Jacksonville and maybe get away with some things, maybe go for it on that fourth down instead of kick the field goal to go up two scores. Now, certainly you hate that, you know, Jacksonville had a two point try to try and tie it. Maybe that was getting a little ahead of themselves, but you know, now I want to see them go into this game, how they're going to approach a game like this. And then a game against Baltimore, the second time that they're going to get to play the Ravens and a Ravens team that we know right now as we're recording, this is, is in absolute disarray. Um, so this is a intriguing stretch for this coaching staff. I think specifically, we're going to talk a lot about Baker and what it means for him. But I think for this coaching staff, this is kind of an exciting moment to see kind of what they're made of here. Yeah. Two huge back-to-back games with AFC playoff implications coming up against the Titans. And then, as you mentioned, against the Ravens who are in COVID hell right now. And, uh, you know, they've got a really tough road over the next uh, couple weeks with what they have coming up and trying to find out if they can get Lamar Jackson back. They have to play Pittsburgh without Lamar Jackson, and they've kind of fallen apart a little bit. As you mentioned, Doug, the Raiders blew it the other day. The Colts kind of uh, fell uh, and, and lost a huge one to the Titans yesterday. So things are setting up well for the Browns, who right now have the number five seed in the playoffs. If the playoffs started tomorrow, they would be the first one amongst the three wildcard teams, the first seed amongst those three wildcard teams. So that's where they stand uh, heading into this huge game and just a lot to look forward to. And I do think as, as much as this is a big game by winning all the games they were supposed to win, they have given themselves some wiggle room here. They're eight and three. They only have to go three and two to get to 10 wins and 10 wins will probably do it. It will be, it would be great. No, what am I saying? That's not even good. Math. 11 wins. They can go three and two to get to 11 wins and 11 wins. You're in. They can go, they can have a losing record the rest of the way and have 10 wins and still be in decent playoff shape. I believe they had the fourth winning three in a row. Oh, there are only three teams in the NFL that have longer than a three game winning streak right now. I also have to, we think, I think we have to remind ourselves they're going to lose again. I don't think they're going 13 and three, but like things are rolling so well right now. I think we have to steal ourselves. Everyone does for they're going to, they're going to have a loss coming up here. So yes, big game, but yes, a game they can lose and still be okay. I can't wait till we do the last one of these and they actually go 13 and three just for you, Doug. It is December 7th. The Browns just beat the Tennessee Titans 41 to 35. They are going to be on Monday night football against the Baltimore Ravens coming up next week. So how are the Cleveland Browns doing? Well, I'll tell you how they're doing. They're nine and three, and it's pretty much just a matter of time before they officially end this playoff drought. (laughs) That's how the Cleveland Browns are doing right now. Well, and the rest of the league is catching up to the fact that they're good. This was the game beating Tennessee, a matchup of two eight and three teams that woke up the world to the reality of the Cleveland Browns, which we have been following all year, which Browns fans have been following all year. And I don't think they needed 
to beat a team like Tennessee to really prove anything. But maybe I was wrong on that because there are a lot of people around the country right now. You can see it on the internet. You can hear it on other podcasts saying, huh, the Browns are good. So from that standpoint, this is different now. Finally, nine and three, beating a team like Tennessee, you add that to the Indianapolis win. They are in command of the top wild card spot right now. That's what feels like change this week. Yes, they played great, but to me, it feels like what's happening now is people around the country who follow the NFL as a whole are finally realizing it. Uh, yeah, you know what? It, it's funny because I had, uh, you know, I had NFL Network on. I've had ESPN on uh, since they won this game, and everybody is all about the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns always move the needle nationally, regardless of what they're doing, win or lose. Uh, but now that they're actually winning, people are jumping on the bandwagon. And yes, I think that uh, this game took them to a different stratosphere where people now are saying, hmm, you got to look at those Cleveland Browns at nine and three. I mean, there's just no denying it. They are right up there. And I think the thing about this football team and, and you know, we kind of have been saying this when you have what they have, the talent that they have, the two headed monsters that they, that they have at running back, Miles Garrett and some of the talent they have on defense. They can pretty much hang with anybody. Uh, there are very few teams that I don't think they that they can beat. I mean, I think they might struggle, uh, you know, to get past Kansas City. Uh, they they might struggle to get past Pittsburgh. But most teams, I think, if they have the right game plan and they have a great coaching staff, I believe uh, most teams they can beat at this point. And and I think that's an exciting place for them to be as they head into this final stretch. Yeah, this was sort of a, a wake-up call, I think, for everyone, because they could look at those playoff standings and see the Browns at eight and three, and they looked at the negative point differential. You know, they remembered, right, the season opener against Baltimore. They remembered the game against Pittsburgh. Those are just games that stood out in people's minds. And then yesterday was sort of the opportunity for the Browns to say, no, those games, that Baltimore game, that was the opener. Forget about it. That Pittsburgh game We've changed so much since then. This is this is where we are right now. And then, you know, we'll, we'll spin this forward. The exciting part about this for the Browns is now they're going to get a chance to do it on national TV. Now they're going to get to do it on Monday Night Football with the whole world just locked, the whole football world just locked in and focused on them. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at this game as the mar one of the marquee one o'clock games. Maybe it was the one o'clock marquee game. I know it was shown... I know on the broadcast map, it was the biggest CBS game at one o'clock. So um, people were definitely watching this one. And now you get to go national. And, and that does matter because not everyone sees the Cleveland Browns. Not everyone sees you when you're not on prime time. Now you're going to be on Monday night football and it's different and it matters. And what you do on Monday night football from a national perception does matter. But it doesn't actually matter. I actually think well, no, gonna... I'm, oh, I'm saying perception wise. Yeah. Well, but but also they this is this was building to this and i think part of what why people are so wrapped up and opening their eyes to the browns right now is because of the way baker mayfield played because it's a quarterback league quarterback drives the discussion for every team all the time baker mayfield drives the discussion around the browns so while it's miles garrett is great and the run game is great baker is still sitting there for baker to play the way he did on Sunday, especially in the first half. And again, you could see it building to that, that Kevin Stefanski is putting Baker Mayfield in the right position to be successful. 
He targeted Jarvis Landry. He targeted Rashard Higgins. He's comfortable with those guys. It all clicked. He throws four touchdown passes in the first half, and it probably should have been five. That's what also has taken this next level, because I think people still think if you don't have a great quarterback, you can't be a great team. And I think we actually could go through situations where you could push back against that, that if you can run it, you do have a great defense. Maybe you can be a great team. But if Baker's going to play like that, that is also game changing. But I don't think it was a fluke. I mean, I don't think any of us think it was a fluke. It doesn't mean it's going to happen every week. But I thought it was the culmination of 12 games of Baker and this offense really coming together. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, Kevin Stefanski has really incorporated the play action game for him. And he's really picked it up and they have increased the use of it. And, you know, I was working on a, on a story today, actually, where I, you know, I crunched those numbers. I mean, his play action versus no play action. He's like 36 point rating points uh, better when he's in play action, three of his four touchdowns were in play action. So they're learning how to use Baker Mayfield and he is flourishing now in this scheme that we all heard from all the experts all off season about how he would have these great numbers and he would thrive and flourish in Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And it took a while to get there because they didn't have an off season. I mean, the first time Kevin Stefanski saw these guys play live was against the Baltimore Ravens in the first game of the season. So it took a little while uh, to start to get this thing humming along, but it's almost there now uh, to where they want it to be. And also just another just key quick point is um, just in doing some work over the weekend, it is basically at least a no brainer that they will pick up uh, that fifth year option for Baker Mayfield. Uh, so I think fans uh, can rest assured that he will be their quarterback for probably for the foreseeable future. And the, uh, the other group we really should give a lot of credit to, and this is where the Browns invested have invested so much over the last few years, but especially this off season is that offensive line. We know that Baker Mayfield's numbers versus pressure when there's no pressure, we know the difference, right? And he's not the only quarterback like that, but I, you know, yesterday, four dropbacks, he felt pressure, three passing attempts, threw them all away. They kept him clean and we've seen what Baker Mayfield can do in this structure when you keep him clean. And when this offensive line does their job, when everyone else around him does their job and then Baker's, you know, that, that accuracy comes back, that swagger comes back, all that stuff that makes Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield comes back. So it, it really is yesterday. Obviously Baker's the story for the reasons you said, Doug, it's the quarterback, it's a quarterback's league. But to me, the story yesterday was, not just Baker Mayfield, but everything working in concert with Baker Mayfield. And you see, he's not going to throw four touchdown passes every first half when everything works like that. But you see what it can look like uh, when everything is right and everything's humming. And Kevin Stefanski standing on that sideline looking at that play sheet thinking, I can get whatever I want. It is December 15th. The Browns lost on Monday night football to the Baltimore Ravens, 47 to 42 they head to the Meadowlands this weekend for the first of back-to-back -back games there, the first one against the Giants. So how are the Browns doing? Well, today I'm sure that the Browns are emotionally drained and exhausted, just like the rest of us. Uh, but we all witnessed what an incredible football game that was, that 47-42 
loss to the Ravens that in some ways doesn't even feel like a loss. I keep forgetting uh, today that they actually lost that game because uh, there was just so much excitement to it. Uh, and I think that that game, even though the Browns, you know, didn't improve their record, they came out of it at nine and four. I still think it will serve them well as they head down into this final stretch and into the playoffs because it was such a playoff intensity. Uh, it was it was time to put on your big boy pants and try to go out there and win a darn football game against a really good team. And they hung right in there and they almost pulled it off. They fought like heck. And I think once again, once they get into the playoffs, which they will, I think this game uh, will serve them very well. There are a lot of people, I think, frustrated with the Browns defense today because they had they gave up some stuff. They gave up the, the drive after the offense for the Browns had come down and tied it with a minute to play. But all those things that we saw from the defense, Denzel Ward's hurt. Ronnie Harrison's hurt, and it's the same stuff we've seen. And there are lots of good teams that don't have great defenses. What you saw, I think, was a Browns offense really that executes what it wants to do, not just in the run, but in the pass game as well, with the way they came out and they threw it early, and then they threw it late when they needed to, and they scored touchdowns on their last three drives of that game. They design it and execute it, run and pass as well as any team in the league short of the Chiefs. What they do with their balance, they have players who can do what Kevin Stefanski wants to do. That's an offense that everybody needs to respect. And we had seen it in Tennessee the week before when they came out and put it to Tennessee early, but they did it again under pressure when they had to have it. And I get, yes, I know Baltimore has some defensive issues too. But that's normal. There are only a couple great defenses in this league. And I just think we know now we have a real sense of the Kevin Stefanski offense and it works against almost anybody. And I think it starts with the development of the quarterback. That's kind of the guy everyone's talking about today. The, the, you know, he had that disaster of a game in Pittsburgh. And ever since then, it's just sort of been this rebuilding of Baker Mayfield. It's almost like he needed that game to hit that reset button, throws the interception against Cincinnati, and then he didn't throw an interception again until last night. Uh, and, and Kevin Stefanski has in multiple occasions taken the blame for that one. Uh, so, you know, to me, this is sort of continued progress with Mayfield. He kind of came out of uh, that Pittsburgh game and then the Cincinnati game, bad weather, kind of a game manager, just kind of did what he needed to do then took a little step against Jacksonville, took a bigger step against Tennessee. And then Monday night was sort of the night against Baltimore. He has not done well against the top two teams in the, that he faces in the division against Baltimore. He has, you know, a really great game. And it was a game that started kind of up and down. His completion percentage wasn't great. Uh, you know, he missed a throw here and there, but then he really got into a rhythm and he was kind of dragging that offense along at, at some points uh, using his legs, especially on that, that scrambling touchdown. Uh, that at least for a few minutes put the Browns ahead. Yeah, you know what? I think there has been a sea change, as you mentioned. Uh, both of you guys have talked about uh, the offense and Baker Mayfield, and there really has been a sea change since that Pittsburgh game. And I think this is the offense that they wanted to have from the start of the season. And of course, that was derailed by COVID-19 and not being able to have a training camp and put it out on the grass 
until for the first time they were there in Baltimore. Uh, so this is what they wanted uh, all along. And then when they came out of the buy or were coming out of the buy, uh, they ended up with these three horrible weather games at First Energy Stadium. So it still seemed like, hey, they don't really have much of a passing game. But you know what? I mean, we have been hearing since Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski were first hired about pick your poison and about this explosive offense. I mean, there's too many weapons on this football team for it to just be some, you know, running game. I mean, it just wasn't going to be that. So it took a while for it to come together. It took a while, a little while for, for Baker to assimilate into the offense and for them to understand what he needed to feel comfortable and confident, which includes a lot of play action and keepers and things like that. And now that he's kind of got his swagger back and his confidence back, uh, the offense is flowing from there. And other guys are making really nice plays. You see guys all over the league, you know, dropping passes and not making plays. Baker just needs to fit it into a nice tight window and they are going to come up with that football. And I think that's also huge. And I think we've reached the point, and I wrote this a little bit ago, that I don't think this is a Brown season anymore that's building to something. I think this is a Brown season that is something, that can be something. Because this is a fascinating AFC playoff race. They are not locked in the playoffs. They cannot slip up. This is a big game with the Giants. The Giants have a good defense. You figure like the Jets game is a gimme. That Steelers game in the last week might be huge. But they've got to keep winning. So they can't slip slip up, but I don't. There's no reason to expect they will slip up. They're a very good football team, but if they take care of business in the regular season, they have a chance to do something. Mm-hmm. They can play with anybody, and we've talked about this. The Steelers certainly look beatable. They are right there with the Ravens. They've beaten Tennessee. They've beaten Indianapolis. They could handle Miami. They would be go toe to toe with Buffalo. That'd be tough. They would go toe to toe with them. This is now looking like a team where they have to take care of business to get in, but that is not the goal right now. This is not like, hey, sneak in the wild card and take your first round loss and go home. This is a team that has a chance. You're skipping a step. You're doing two steps in one. Let's build to making the playoffs and let's go ahead and win a playoff game right now. And I think that that just reinforces last night. Like you said, Mary Kay, they didn't win, but they showed you everything that a winning football team does against another winning football team. Yeah. They, they've sort of changed the expectation. And, you know, I I've always kind of looked at this as when Andrew Barry came in, this was a roster that was ready to compete, but it was also sort of a, a two year kind of build, right? Like you weren't going to be the complete roster probably till after that second off season. I still think that, but we're seeing with the way the AFC is setting up, with the way this team is playing and the way they're coached and the way this offense is going, the way that one side of the ball that you really addressed in the off season is humming. There's no reason to believe that they couldn't go to Tennessee or couldn't go to Indianapolis or any of those other teams you mentioned, Doug, and come away and win a playoff game and play that second weekend of the playoffs, pull the Titans, maybe you sneak your way into that AFC championship game in Kansas city. So yeah, I mean, I think beating Tennessee and then what they did last night against Baltimore, Mary Kay, like you said, a loss that, frankly you kind of have to remind yourself they actually lost that game it, it it sort of resets or changes the expectations of what is possible here not just for the next three or four years but for the next you know month really absolutely and you know fans can and should be 
really, really excited about what's coming because anything can happen. As you guys have mentioned, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I really do think there's only one team uh, that I would really, uh, I, I probably would not right now, if I had to pick uh, a winner of Browns versus Kansas city, I'm picking Kansas city still right now, but uh, you know, as we have talked about, I mean, that's probably the only team uh, where I look at them and I think, all right, you know what? Patrick could probably, uh, you know, pull that one out, even if he falls behind by 30. Everybody else, I think it's fair game, and it's time for everybody to get really excited about that. It is December 21st. The Browns just beat the New York Giants 20-6. to They will go back to New Jersey on Sunday to face the no longer winless New York Jets. So, how are the Browns doing? They're doing normal. They're doing methodical. They're doing boringly efficient. They won a very solid regular game against the New York Giants, but yet if they had lost, it would have been potentially disastrous. I mean, this is a tight, elite AFC playoff chase. One team's not going to make it, and the difference between being 10-4, and four, which the Browns are right now, and 9-5 and five is... The difference between a Merry Christmas week for Browns fans and a angst-filled Christmas week. So I think it is easy to look at a game like this and say, hey, you know, they just won. That's what you do in the NFL. But it's always good to think about what the other side would have been. And it's a reminder of how quickly things could have gotten sideways for how everybody would feel about this team. So to just have a nice, smooth, steady win like that really says something about this team, I think. Yeah, this was a, a vitally important game to win, as you mentioned, Doug. I mean, it's such a tight race. Everybody else uh, that is vying for these spots with the Cleveland Browns won on that same Sunday afternoon. And so they knew when they went out and played that second straight primetime game uh, that they had to nail it. They knew that they had to do that. And this is, you know, it's so exciting this year too, because uh, there is that third wild card spot. So there's so many other teams uh, that are in the thick of it, that are involved with this. And uh, it really is fun. You can feel the excitement in the city, uh, you know, just, you know, being out and about, you know, not that we're out and about all that much like we normally would be, but even just on social media and anybody that we talk to, uh, it's all about the Browns right now. And uh, it, it's really an exciting time that these fans have been waiting for for years. And the Browns are benefiting right now from a lot of the work they did early in the season. Uh, you know, we've talked about, how they haven't really lost games they're supposed to lose. The only case you could maybe make is the Raiders game, kind of based on what Las Vegas has kind of done since then, but I thought they were playing pretty well at the time. But the Browns have just consistently taken care of business. And so it gave them that wiggle room when they lost to the Ravens. It didn't, you know, tighten everything up too much. They were still a team that, for the most part, is in control of their own destiny and, and can take care of business on their own. And it's because... They beat Houston. They beat Philadelphia. They beat Jacksonville. They beat these teams they were supposed to beat on top of beating the Colts and beating the Titans, which, you know, who knows how those games would, how we would have predicted those games at the beginning of the season. But this is a team that has consistently, like they did against the Giants, just kind of taking care of their own business and done what they're supposed to do. And I think it's a reminder when you see a team like the Giants of how it's hard to be 
boringly efficient and get the job done. Yes, the Giants in that game were without their young quarterback, Daniel Jones. And you could see that they just didn't have the quarterback play that was going to compete. The Giants, though, were also missing their number one cornerback. Denzel Ward was back for the Browns, but the Browns have won. With De- without Denzel Ward this year. The Browns have won without Miles Garrett. The Browns have won without Nick Chubb. So you could see what it looks like when a team is not efficient, when a team is not at full strength. And you could look at the Giants in that game and say, well, you know, they have some tough stuff going on. But it's also a reminder that the Browns have had some tough stuff going on and they have won through it. And now they have a few more tough things going on because this team as good as they have been and they have not lost consecutive games this year, they have never fallen into a pit boy. They are having a hard time staying healthy though. And they've been managing to win despite that. And, you know, I mean, we cannot say enough right now about how the lights have come on for Baker Mayfield over the last seven weeks. My goodness, uh, he was, according to profootballfocus.com, uh, he was the 28th ranked passer through the first six weeks of the season. That's when uh, national critics were, were calling for his job. That's when, uh, you know, I had written a column questioning whether or not, uh, saying that he had not yet shown that he was the franchise quarterback and that he was on the clock and he was on the clock. And now uh, he's really done some amazing things uh, with that time on the clock. Over these past seven weeks, he is the number two ranked passer, according to Pro Football Focus, the number two. He's climbed up into the number 12 spot uh, in terms of quarterback rating. He's way up there in terms of QBR. Uh, He, in this game against the Giants, he completed over 84% of his passes. Talk about efficient. He was extremely efficient. He has nailed this play action game, this quarterback friendly scheme that Kevin Stefanski has installed. Baker Mayfield has now mastered it. The lights have come on for him. He's playing with an extreme amount of confidence. He feels so confident behind that offensive line that is protecting him like crazy. I mean, he has time. Uh, He's just getting that magic back that he had back at Oklahoma, and that he had in his rookie year. Yeah, the strides he's made from that stretch when he threw two interceptions in the second half against the Colts, two against the Steelers, and then threw an interception on his first pass against Cincinnati. Whatever happened between then and now, and I think it's been a slow growth. And, you know, maybe playing in that bad weather helped because it forced him to kind of lean on the run game a little more. And it forced him to kind of be willing to have the ball taken out of his hands for a little while. And we've just seen this steady kind of rebuilding that, you know, against Jacksonville, we talked about some of the missed throws, but he also played pretty well in that game. And then he goes to Tennessee and has that great first half plays great in a a punch counter punch game against Baltimore And then against the Giants was absolutely fantastic. And we're seeing that marriage of quarterback and coach that so many people thought would be good for Baker Mayfield. We're finally seeing it come to fruition here, especially over these last three weeks. And what's happened is he's had more than six games with Kevin Stefanski like this. It just was going to always take time. It was just always going to take time. And you're seeing that come to fruition. So I think that, I mean, this is it, this is what he's going to be now. And so now you look, at the rest of it. Right. And I do think one thing coming away from this is the giants couldn't do anything offensively. I would 
caution people not to get too overexcited about the Browns defense. They only gave up six to the Giants, but a lot of that was on the Giants. Just like when the Ravens scored the week before, a lot of that was about how good Lamar Jackson is. So Miles Garrett, as he continues to talk about his struggles coming back from COVID, not quite himself. Um, you know, they're just, they're still kind of rounding into form. Carl Joseph at safety played really well against the Giants, but I still think there are legitimate questions about this defense. So, you know, the bar is high right now. The bar is high for the Browns because they're basically a win away from locking up a playoff berth. And then they're going to have to be good on all sides of the game. And as good as they are, I think we're still figuring them out. Uh, you know, again, I, I would like to weigh in for a second on, on Miles Garrett. I mean, this has been a huge storyline over the last three weeks. He was diagnosed on November 20th. Uh, he tested positive for COVID. He missed two games. He has struggled in his three games back. Uh, it's difficult to watch him out on the field, having a hard time get his, getting his win, getting his conditioning back. Uh, he, he really wanted NFL Defensive Player of the Year uh, this year. And now it looks like because of COVID, uh, that probably isn't going to happen for him. Uh, that's really unfortunate, but he is hanging in there and doing everything he can to help his team win. Hey, Doug Maurice here. You know I love yammering about football. Love it on the Browns. I also do it on Ohio State. So come join us on our Buckeye Talk podcast. If you haven't given that a shot, we're coming up on year seven of Buckeye Talk. We do it multiple times a week. Steven Means, Nathan Baird, and I dig in on the Buckeyes, and then we drop texts, baby. Try that, too. It's a 14-day free trial. Guess what? National title game right around the corner. Why not try it now? If you've never tried it before, 614-350-3315. Send a text to that. The 14-day free trial is an easy way to start and see what you think. And if you don't want to stick around, bail after the title game. If you like it, $3.99 a month. But no matter what, make sure you're listening to Buckeye Talk. Give us a try. Now and later, we keep it going through the offseason. The text, 614-350-3315, and the Buckeye Talk podcast. It is December 28th. The Browns just lost to the Jets 23-16, and they host the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday in their regular season finale. So how are the Browns doing? Well, I'll start us off. The Browns are fighting to make the playoffs on Sunday against their division rival at first energy stadium. So I guess they're doing pretty well because that's sort of an exciting thought for Browns fans. I would think. Well, you know, I will say, can you have any more drama for the season finale than this? If you were writing this as a movie and, and this was, you know, this was the script. Could you have made it any more dramatic here uh, for this game in week 17 when and you're in against the Pittsburgh Steelers, potentially against Ben Roethlisberger, who has killed you all of these years, ever since you passed on him way back when uh, the notorious Browns killer. Uh, it is just uh, an absolutely incredible scenario. Of course, they shouldn't be here right now, uh, but COVID got involved and uh completely messed up their game against the Jets yesterday. And now here they are going head-to-head with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the season finale, and it's almost do or die. 
And if it's not Ben Roethlisberger, if the Steelers decide to rest some guys, then it's probably Mason Rudolph, which is practically as interesting. So I do think the thing for the Browns here is that to come off a totally unexpected loss like that, obviously COVID related, as Mary Kay said, missing their top four receivers because of contact tracing. They wind up without three of their top six offensive linemen. It's a, it is a devastating loss. It really is. All they had to do was beat one of the worst teams in the NFL. And they would have clinched a playoff spot, but even though Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski after the game were saying no excuses, no excuses, no excuses. They know there are excuses. So I do think as they carry this forward, they're not making them publicly, but they also should not be questioning themselves internally. They know circumstances blew this game for them. They also made mistakes, but every mistake was magnified by the fact that they didn't have any receivers who knew what they were doing. So I think the Browns, can go forward, should be able to maintain a lot of the momentum from how well they played against the Titans and the Ravens and the Giants and take that into Pittsburgh. And then when you get down to talent, maybe the Steelers are resting guys, but even if they're not, from a talent standpoint and how they're playing, the Browns absolutely will compete in this game. And I think they should have absolutely every expectation and so should the fans that they're going to win. Well, I know that, you know, we do this every week and it's supposed to be kind of a small glimpse of the week. But what better time to just ask this? If I had told you way back when we did our week one, following that loss to Baltimore, if I had said, you know what? The Browns are going to have 10 wins and they're going to be playing the Steelers for a chance to get into the playoffs. You would have been happy with that, right? I think I would have taken that. Yeah, I I think absolutely 100%. Browns fans would have taken an opportunity to be playing uh, to get into the playoffs in the final game of the season. And all you have to do is win the game to get in there. I think people would take that. I absolutely do. And I think the important thing to remember going into this game is uh, as Doug mentioned, kind of forget a little bit about the Jets game. My goodness, they had, they didn't have their uh, starting left tackle. They didn't have their uh, starting right guard. They didn't have their top four receivers. And it just freaked them out because it all happened the day before the football game. But in this game, they should have Ronnie Harrison back. They should have Wyatt Teller back. If all goes well with, with the COVID people, they should have all those guys back and they should have Jed Wills back. And it will give them uh, their most... Uh, their healthiest and most robust roster, really, that they've had for most of the entire football season. And when you really look at it, I mean, what has happened this season in the AFC? We know, of course, because of this weird year, they added an extra playoff spot. And that is coming in very handy for the Browns. There also is a possibility that there's going to be an AFC team that wins 11 games and even with the extra playoff spot doesn't make the playoffs. That's how competitive this is. That would be part of, if you would have said beginning of the year, they have 10 wins going into week 17 and they haven't yet clinched a playoff spot. You'd be like, what? What does everybody in the AFC win 11 games? It is a really competitive year and they are competing with the exact teams they should be competing with, right? That it turns out that win against the Colts, whatever week it was, that win might be huge because that might be a tiebreaker. They win over Indianapolis. You know, hey, they beat the Titans. The Titans are right in this playoff race. We spent a lot of time this season talking about how, hey, 
you know, some people said all they did is beat bad teams when they had to get it done. They did beat some good teams. They've competed in a super competitive year. And that's why I think that as Mary Kay, you said, they should be able to put the jets behind them. And with Baker Mayfield, I think feeling this responsibility, but in a good way, even off this crazy loss, go into Pittsburgh on kind of an upswing, getting healthy with everything right in front of them. And we have such a small sample size of of this head coach. I mean, this is going to be his 16th game that we've seen him coach. But I think what we know is he does a really good job of just taking this week to week and not letting whatever happened last week, whether it was good, whether it was bad, letting that carry over into what they're going to do this week. So uh, I I really want to see what guys sound like when we get a chance to talk to them on Wednesday Uh, And and as we go through the week here, man, this would be a great week to be able to be in the locker room, but we can't do that this year. Uh, But I really want to see kind of how guys sound now, you know, once we get past the disappointment of what happened against the jets, you know, every single week there's a new message and there's a new tone when that week kind of officially gets going on Wednesday and they start putting in that game plan, this coaching staff and these players have done a really nice job of turning the page good or bad And this is the ultimate week to do that. Turn the page, put what happened on Saturday night, put what happened on Sunday behind you and just focus on the Pittsburgh Steelers because that's your season. And, you know, one more thing real quick, and that is an angry Baker Mayfield is usually a really good Baker Mayfield. When his back is against the wall, he comes out fighting. He comes out swinging. He's very mad at himself. He blamed himself for putting the ball on the ground three times in that game, despite the fact two were strip sacks, uh, very mad at himself for fumbling on that fourth and one sneak. And Baker feels that he failed the team. He failed the town and he's going to want to go out and redeem himself. And I like it. I liked what he did. He, he gave one statement after that game about two minutes and walked away and he didn't really have anything else to say. And for a guy who at times over the years has been judged by a lot of off field stuff, by a lot of things he said or done, we know Baker Mayfield has a big personality, has a big aura around him. He has a chance on Sunday on the field to start building his legacy in Cleveland. And I think that's all anybody could ask for. Today is January 4th. The Cleveland Browns are not cleaning out their lockers. They're not holding a postseason press conference. No, they just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-22. And they are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers again in the wild card round on Sunday night. So how are the Cleveland Browns doing? The Browns are doing great. They finally, finally clinched a playoff spot for the first time in 18 years since 2002. So hard to believe that it's been that long, but it has been that long. The Browns are headed to the playoffs. They earned a rematch with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's going to be on Sunday night football in front of the entire nation. And they have an opportunity to finally beat the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in Pittsburgh. They haven't won there since 2003 and advance in the playoffs. And it's, it's an amazing opportunity for this football team. They feel like they can do it. This is great for the fans. It's all been leading to this moment. And as much as it's historic and it's a long time coming, it's also like totally normal. The end of this season got really weird, but the outcome is 
a best case version of what people thought this season might be, but it's also like not totally out of left field. This is a good football team that made the playoffs in a tough year. So the idea that they had the COVID miss absences against the jets and it screwed up that game. And the fact that they could barely practice the week leading into this Pittsburgh game. And then the Steelers didn't play a lot of their starters and it came down to a two point conversion at the end. It did get a little loose, but this is an 11 and five football team that I think earned every step of this and is right where it should be. Yeah. It hasn't been this way since 2002, but the Browns are right where they belong. And I think the, the positive thing here is regardless of what happens against Pittsburgh or in a game after that, however far this team goes, you feel really good right now about where this team is headed. And this is sort of Doug, to your point, this sort of vindicates everything like, Hey, you know, we felt really good about Kevin Stefanski. And now look, he got this team to the playoffs. Uh, Hey, there were questions about Baker Mayfield, but then he really turned it around after that, that last Pittsburgh game. And now you feel good about Baker Mayfield heading into the playoffs. So I, I think this is just sort of, like you said, this is what's supposed to happen when your culture's right. Your coaching is right. Your quarterback gets right. Everything kind of lines up there. And, you know, you, I know players and fans are going to want to keep this going. We'll see what happens, but ultimately you feel really good about the direction of this team. And this sort of is, is what you point to is, yeah, they're a good football team. And there's literally something to point to, to prove that they went to the playoffs and won 11 games. You know, this was also a game of redemption for Baker Mayfield. I think it ended in such a fitting way with the ball in his hands and sealing this victory. Uh, he had told us the week before uh, in that Jets game, when he fumbled three times, including on that, fourth and inches sneak at the end that I failed this team. There was no way Baker Mayfield was going to let the season end like that with the lasting memory of him failing this team and, and keeping them from going to the playoffs. So he kind of put the team on his back and he did whatever he could in this game. A lot of other people did too. Nick Chubb did the same thing, ran for that 47 yard touchdown to get the party started. Uh, you know, Miles went out and did the best he could. And I, and it's obvious that he's still battling the after effects of, of COVID-19. So many guys out. Denzel Ward missed this game. There were six players that missed this game on the COVID-19 reserve list and three coaches, including their offensive line coach. Again, as Doug mentioned, the Steelers rested a lot of guys. It's going to be a different story when they have to play them again. But this was a, a get it right game for Baker Mayfield after what was uh, a, a really sort of devastating loss against the Jets. And it's fascinating that there were rolling it back for a third time Browns Steelers in this playoff opener. And I think it's okay to have high standards for this Browns team. It's not, you know, it's not a must win or whatever. I mean, like as Dan said, this is, this is the beginning of something. This is not a one-off. This is the start of something for the Browns, but they're also good enough to win this game. And if they get the guys back that they think they might get back and they don't have a, any more COVID issues, you know, because of a lot of this weird stuff at the end of the year, we haven't seen the best of the Browns for a couple weeks now. Right. I mean, if, if we think we finally saw the best of the Browns, maybe, with the first three quarters of that Tennessee game, let's say now it would be a great time to get back to seeing the passing offense and the rushing offense work together. It would be great to see this defense, you know, get some key stops early in the game. The Steelers are going to play all their guys. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be out there this week. 
But, you know, I don't think the Browns should play with any pressure because it's the Steelers who started off 11-0, but they should play with some expectation. You know, they can go win this game. They are good enough to go beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and that's why this is the start of something. And, and Baker Mayfield said it a million times, and he said it again this week. It's like, we're not satisfied. This is not the end. It really is just the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I, look, what's the point of playing a playoff game if you don't think you can go win it, right? You know, it's it's our jobs to look objectively at games and say whether we think a team can win or not. It's it's the players' jobs to do everything they can to, to go try and win a football game. And, and the Browns are certainly going to do that. And I agree. I think they have a chance to do it this week. Let's, can we talk about that last play, though, again, that you brought up, Mary Kay, that Baker Mayfield run and just how perfect it was and how much it spoke to what this team has become? Because on that play, you had Austin Hooper, who certainly hasn't put up the kind of receiving numbers we expected from him, but has been a willing blocker and really taken on his role. You have him taking on a defensive end and holding a defensive end off. You have Kareem Hunt just charging ahead of Baker Mayfield and, and just running right into a Steelers linebacker and taking him out of the play so Baker Mayfield can get like still that little extra yard that he needed to end that game. To me, that play just encapsulated perfectly kind of what this team has been about this season. Yeah, it really did. I mean, Kareem has been a willing and selfless blocker. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to get the 1,000 yards that he could easily have for any other team, easily. Uh, but he wasn't able to do that. But he does so many other things. And as you mentioned, same thing with Austin Hooper. And I thought one of the, the most symbolic things was that Kevin Stefanski put the ball into Baker Mayfield's hands in that moment, regardless of the fact that he had fumbled three times the week before. He knew that ball security was going to be at a premium for him. And he also wanted to reward his quarterback for getting them to this point and letting him have that moment.